and driving and shopping and eating and working. Somewhere, somehow, they all got chewed up and spit back out. They don't taste like living anymore. Don't you see what it's like in this deranged, wearing blender of a world? Every day is an agonizing ordeal. Like balancing a pot of scalding water on your head while people whip your legs and butt. Oh, you never forget your senior prom. You think I'm sick? Well, the only disease I've got is modern life. A schnug-busting gauntlet of inefficiency and misery that's one long parade of letdowns, put-downs, trickle-downs, shutouts, freeze-outs, sell-outs, numb-nuts, nick and puts and ninrods. All making every day as much fun as waxing a flaming Pontiac with your tongue. Where even if you do luck into the possibility of some fleeting pleasure, like, say, if some nymphomaniac telephone operators with the muscle control of Romanian mat slappers agree to a little strip air hockey, it'll be over before it starts. Because some vowel-lacking, feather-reeking cab jockey slams his checker up your hatchback and the cab is owned by some pinata spanker from a Santeria cult in Wakalpa who starts shaking chicken bones at you and gives you a boil on your neck so big, all it needs is Michael Jordan's autograph to make it complete. And even with all this, with all this, I still drag my sorry butt off the ceiling every morning and stick my face in the reaping machine for one more day. Knowing when it's time to flash the cosmic card key at those pearly gates, I won't be in the coffin anyway, because some underhanded undertaker sold my heart, pancreas, and other assorted good and plenty to the same Santeria cult. So does anybody really wonder why anybody is hanging on to sanity by the atoms on the tips of their fingernails while life dirty dances on their digits? And is it really any wonder that I stay deranged? It's funny because it's true. All right, ladies and gentlemen, for every situation in life, there is a Duckman quote that will suit your purposes. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, friends, Romans, neighbors, countrymen, children of all ages, assembled fans of amusements in all their many shapes and varieties. Good day to you. This is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It is 5 minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of 11 in this, the month of December, in the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for coming by and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed and persistent studios of AM 970, The Talker. This, my friend, the Rick Emerson Cavalcade of Whimsy. It is uh, Tuesday, December 9th. We are here. We are live. Things continue, my friends. It is 503-733-2970. 503 503- Seven three three two nine seventy. You want to get on board with your comments, questions, clarifications, kvitches, kvitches, ruminations, ponderings, musings of an ironic nature, haiku, limbrick, whatever ye may have to lift the assembled load of life from our shoulders. It is 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, able, and covered in stretch marks. Pass along your observations about the interesting, the tedious, the groundbreaking, the absurd, the mundane, the ponderous. Whatever it is you might have on this Tuesday. It's 503-733-2970. You can also uh, email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah at 970.am. Richie with a T at 970.am. And uh, for folks who have been looking for updated contact info for our friend Tim Riley, you can see that at rickemerson.com. They uh, put up a big blog posting last night. Uh, so wrote a whole thing. Uh, read it, don't read it. Uh, but at the end, there's a uh, we link to Tim's uh, email. There's a link to Tim's email and to his uh, his blog as well. So we'll mention that throughout the day and so forth. Oh, and I should say just by way of a preamble here, 
So everybody else who, who, who was like sort of getting past yesterday and now they bummed out all over again because of the last hour. Yeah, thanks for that. I'm sitting well, in was... here in a room by myself that I used to share with him. Listening to all this, trying not to cry yesterday. Looking over at an empty chair and then weeping silently to yourself. It was lonely. Like, even though we never really talked in the morning because we were so polite to each other. It was other. the best kind of not talking. We would, we'd politely ignore each other unless we found something particularly hilarious. Well, you know. But his presence was missed. You know, the, uh, well, here's, here's the thing about being, here's the thing about being, uh, being, see, now we're talking about, he's not dead. I mean, you know, I, I mean, I haven't talked to him in like, I haven't talked to him since last night around 10, so, I mean, I can only work with the information I had. According to his Facebook, though, right? Still up, active, around, lively? Oh, yes. He said uh, he's busy responding. He actually just, he just wrote on my wall. Oh. Yeah. It uh, made me feel special, but he said he's been contacted by, like, He's responding to like hundreds of emails. Much beloved. So, uh, and, and responding we, to um, other stations, be it TV and radio, who are also talking to him. Some lucky station, probably scooping up Tim Riley as we speak. No, well, I'm not bitter. I'm a little bitter, <laughs> but it's okay. Um, Just slightly bitter. But here's the thing about about that is. Whether it's me sitting here in the room with Tim, or me and you in the morning, or you and Tim, or some combination of you know what it was? It was like the most wonderful uh, sort of being alone together. Because nobody really, like, we would just sort of sit in here and everybody's kind of doing their own thing. It was magical. It really was. And, you know, we'll continue to be. I'm just mm-hmm. saying it is, um, it was like, it, it, it was, and I think even you and I actually this morning, it is just kind of the most glorious form of non interaction. It's kind of sitting here, uh, being in the same room, but having that comfortable silence that comes from knowing each other for a long time. All right. Uh, it is 503-733-2970. What you should uh, join us today. 503-733-2970. So, uh, life goes on. We will uh, continue to amuse and to dazzle, to entertain, and to provide uh, a pleasant diversion to your everyday misery, as only we can. <laughs> All right. Here's what's coming up today. CNN radio correspondent to the stars, Lisa Desjardins, will be joining us. I say sort of as an abstract theory, because we haven't really heard back from CNN. So it's always possible they're just going to tell us to get bent. Oh, hey, they're not going to tell us to get bent. Well, there you go. There's one tiny disappointment that I will be spared on this Tuesday. Uh, CNN radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins will join us today. And we're going to talk first and foremost. I got this huge pile of news. Um... So I guess they just arrested some guy for doing something. He's a guy from... Wait, hold on. You know, I was I had this grand scheme of getting all the news sorted myself. I had to, just by way of a, an explanation for this. So I had to go do... Uh, I was doing filming that Outlook Portland uh, show this morning. And, of course, today of all days, guests ran late. They were late getting there. Then two of the guests... One of them it never did show up. One of them showed up like 25 minutes late. Then the, the woman who does the makeup to try to make me look somewhat less translucent. Then she was late. Then we actually had to stop at one point because there was a fly the size of a Buick that kept buzzing me while I was sitting there on the stage trying to do the show. And I felt like Tippy Hedren. So I got back here at like 10 o'clock, at which point all I could really do was just hit print frantically on my computer and try to get the news printed out. <laughs> Uh, so Lisa's going to be talking about uh, the governor of Illinois, who I think they full-on arrested. I don't even think it was like uh, an accusation at this point or some sort of like a, like a scurrilous sort of whisper stream kind of a thing. I think they actually went and like it, it took the Illinois governor out of his office in handcuffs today because he was attempting to sell off Barack Obama's Senate seat. So that's fantastic. I mean, not for him, you know, or his, his loved ones. 
Uh, we'll talk to Lisa Desjardins about that. We'll join uh, CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum for a discussion of the auto industry and all things of that nature. Are we going to be talking about our special guest yet, or are we going to surprise people? We will uh, spring the special guest on folks here in just a few, and then we're going to answer the question that I know everybody has, which is, uh, Quotavotamus, uh, Rick Emerson, where does the Rick Emerson program go from here? So we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, we will talk to CNN Radio correspondent Bob Costantini. We're going to talk to... I think we only have had her once before. I think she was on with us last week, and from TMZ, Katie Darrell. And I got to say, she's a fireball. I like she her. She really, you know, she's just a she's a wonderful little gossipy pixie made of sunshine. So we're going to talk to Katie Darrell from TMZ.com later on today, because there's nothing like celebrity misery to make like our actual misery a little bit more palatable. And from Film.com, Don Taylor. Will you forgive me uh, while I do two things? One, I'm going to clear my throat again. Mm-hmm. And two, I'm going to go turn up the uh, heat ever so slightly. It is a little bit cold in here. <laughs> it's because we have one through less body heat to warm the studio, Sarah. This is true, Tim Riley, and his warm personality. And also, yes. And also, the fire in our hearts burns a little bit smaller. All right, hold on one second. <laughs> All right, there you go. I'm really glad that you're not covering your mouth and we're sharing this little cave together. And you oh, keep... What, like I'm going to ruin your week? <laughs> oh, no, don't get sick. What if we had to miss a day or two? <laughs> I'm thinking about calling in gay later on in the week, by the way, just so everybody knows. I'm thinking knows. about calling in gay. Let's all call in gay. Um, all right. So there you go. So that's what's coming up today. Lisa Desjardins, uh, Steve Castamount, Bob Costantini. Uh, we will touch Katie Darrell from TMZ.com. And Dawn Taylor from Film.com will join us. She's going to talk about DVD releases. She saw the new uh, The Day the Earth Stood Still which is undoubtedly a tired and completely pointless retread of the classic original. We have a Geek Watch coming up today. I think a double Geek Watch. We have a, a Cannibal Watch coming up today. Clergy Watch coming up today. And Don Taylor will also be preparing a list of comfort films. Films that one can clutch to one's figurative mental bosom uh, in these times of uh, strife and whatever. And it also, and now I understand that this is completely pointless because you didn't even watch it, but I actually brought notes about last night's Gossip Girl. I'm trying to compensate already. I'm trying to pick up the slack. I know it looked like it was a really good one, but I was busy drinking my coffee into an oblivion last night. Ah, good for you. Thanks. All right. Well, there's no... Can I just say this? And I don't mean to... Uh, I'm not going to sit and tell tales out of school, as they say. I don't really know what that phrase means, but I'm not going to do it. Um, so I'm not going to talk a lot about the staff meeting we had yesterday oh, because... God. Because, and I know, and, it, and really, all snarking aside... I know that I know that they like for a lot of those you know staff meetings and you know of, of whatever you know when you have a conversation uh, you know a business oriented conversation or when you're when any meeting where the boss is there and kind of giving you the lay of the land you know they like that stuff to say kind of private and I know that uh, you know you know this industry tends to leak uh, like a sieve so so I won't really I won't really rehash the entire meeting we had um, yesterday afternoon except to say that. As was discussed, oh, I don't know, for four hours yesterday and an hour today, uh, as Howard Beale once said, uh, times are bad. I don't have to tell you times are bad. Everybody knows times are bad. And, you know, it wasn't just us. You know, we're, we're not the only folks. No, it was a bad day for a lot of people yesterday. It was uh, a bit of a bleak uh, afternoon yesterday. Uh, and not just here. Uh, you know, not just in this industry, but, you know, CBS across the country. CBS had a bit of a, bit of a, bit of a belt tightening that happened yesterday. So it was... You know, it's sort of a downer day for a lot of people. And, but at the end of the day, 
There, what we got this email that went out yesterday. There, there will be a staff meeting at three thirty. All must attend. Mandatory. Which is then you just sort of wonder, like, you know, well, is this just going to be like, are they just, are they just going to get rid of everybody else, like, in one meeting, so they don't have to do individual paperwork? And you, the first three rows, you can leave. But we had this meeting, which is, you know, just sort of a state of, a state of the station, state of the company uh, kind of thing. I got two things to say about that meeting, though. And then, <coughs> pardon me. Oh, what's going on in my head? Hold on a second. We don't have Tim to swat away the invisible dust part. Well, I think probably in the past, Tim was inhaling uh, just the bulk of the dust in the air. And sort of, Tim was sort of this, like, um, HEPA filter uh, thing over there. And he would just sort of, like, the dust was drawn to him, so I didn't have to breathe it in myself. All right. So, yesterday, uh, after the end of, I would say, a pretty long and brutal day, uh, not just for us, uh, a lot of people, uh, you know, here in this building and in, in this company uh, across the country, had a uh, difficult day. So, we all have this big staff meeting yesterday, like 3.30, where they just sort of give us the lay of the land. And the only two observations I'm going to make about that meeting, because the rest is just sort of, a, you know, an all-in-the-family kind of a thing. One, it's kind of... I don't know, I would say darkly comforting when the guy who runs the whole joint actually says, and I myself plan to drink heavily. So, I mean, you know, when really, the, when, the, when the guy who runs the whole market says, how are you, how are you bearing up, sir? Well, I'm going to go home and I'm going to drink whiskey until I fall down the stairs. Mm -hmm. So when he says that, you kind of go, well, all right then. Second, and I'm not going to identify this person, uh, even obliquely, I am just going to make this one sort of note. And everybody at CBS knows what I'm talking about. Everyone at CBS Portland will understand what I'm referencing. And in fact, even if you don't work at CBS, you'll know what I'm referencing because you undoubtedly work with this guy too. Every company in every industry and every meeting that that company holds has one guy mm. who views the meeting as like open mic night at the comedy store. Friend, stop it. No, no, no one cares. I, I hung out with some radio folk last night. You and know what I'm talking about. Everybody mentioned that specific person. Just Seriously. Like, who is that douchebag? You know, it's five minutes of the improv with that guy. So, and I'm not going to mention who it is. I'm just going to say everybody at CBS Radio Portland knows exactly what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. So you're having a meeting where, and again, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to wallow, but I mean, bad day yesterday. Lots of, lots of dark things happening. Not a good day for anybody. I understand the desire for a little, 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 you know, bit of levity. You know, when the GM says he's going to go home and drink himself blind, levity accomplished. Everyone else, quiet. So we're sitting there in the meeting, and as we're trying to muscle through this sort of, this sort of like difficult 45 minutes yesterday afternoon, and everybody's had, you know, yesterday everybody's had a long day. Everybody's had. In fact, I'm going to pull up a chair because it exhausts me just thinking about it. So. You know, we came in yesterday and we did our, our, our two hours with Tim and then two hours of just talking to everybody and just saying, like, look, here's the deal. You know, we don't know what we're going to do going forward. We're going to uh, we're going to make the best of a bad situation and we're going to kind of play through the pain. And that conversation was sort of had in a lot of quarters yesterday uh, in a lot of different departments. People saying, like, look, this has happened and here is here's what's true. Here's what's rumor. Here's where we are. You know, and now we just got to put one foot in front of the other. Then, then everybody repairs over to the conference room for the big, like, all staff meeting. And you know, and, and you're you're listening and you're paying attention. You're thinking, okay, you know, this is, you know, here's where we are right now. 
Let's all just get through today. We'll come back in on Tuesday, and we're just, you know, we're, we're just going to get back to work and, and do what we do and, you know, and create entertainment and whatever. But, of course, the meeting is elongated by about 25% by some guy who continually has to either, A, ask questions, or, B, use it as, like, his own personal, uh, you know, uh, like, uh, it's like one of those contests. And his jokes weren't even funny. They weren't even making sense. It was so... Poorly constructed. But it's like one of the, you know, Power 95 is going to give you a chance to have 10 minutes before Dane Cook goes on stage. (laughs) And, you know, and it's that guy. And And everyone's upset and there are people crying and stuff. And it it is very much, he's very much the that's what she said guy. I mean, it was like the that's what she said guy had just materialized (laughs) in the meeting. And by the way, lest anybody think that I'm just focusing on that guy and that meeting at this company that day, which is yesterday, every company I've ever worked for has... That guy. I'm weighing now whether I should identify that guy at Fisher Brock. It was Chuck Knopf. I'll just say it right now. It's Chuck Knopf, who I love. Who I love. Good guy. Good friend. Great broadcaster. We would be sitting there at uh, Fisher Broadcasting. We were back at KOTK, KWJJ. We'd be sitting there in the conference room. And it was always when, like, the worst kind of news was being broken. They would stand up there, look, I hate to tell you this, but uh, you all know Jerry McAllister in accounts. He was set on fire this morning, and um, we tried to damp out the flames, but unfortunately, uh, as we were doing so, a safe fell through the roof and uh, crushed his legs. And as we were trying to roll the safe off of Jerry's legs and put out the fire, uh, a swarm of beetles... Uh, came out of the wall and uh, went right into his left eye socket. And uh, at that point, there was really, there was really nothing we could do, especially considering the Ebola. I mean, it was just, uh, you know, all told, it was a bad day. And then, and then Chuck would raise his hand in the back of the room and go, "Hey, yeah, but hey, is our stock price still stable?" <laughs> and then it's just this sort of. There was not one laugh after that terrible no. joke that guy told. Everyone was just looking at him like, really? Figurative tumbleweeds blowing through the room, Sarah. All right. Well, it had to be said. Yeah. All right. Well, in any event, so that was yesterday. Today is today. Uh, it is 503-733-2970. So we'll talk about uh, the news and today and what becomes of the news going forward here in just a second. To recap, we will have Lisa Desjardins, we'll have Steve Kastenbaum, we will have Bob Costantini, Don Taylor from Film.com, Katie Darrell from TMZ.com. Push comes to shove, I got like nine different top fives that have been gathering mm-hmm. dust for quite a while, so that we should get to those. Um, <laughs> people have asked us, um, and we might as well drop the mono bed here, because this, yeah. uh, this is where I'm... Sarah, I'm just going to rap to the people. All right, uh, you, you speak okay. right to them. And then we'll get to tell my awesome radio story from yesterday. Yes, I'm sorry, and I haven't even asked you about drinking uh, with everybody last night. And that then will allow me to talk about uh, some of our coworkers who came back to the building last night after having uh, consumed many, many, many beverages. Are you kidding me? And who wanted to stand in the office, uh, you know, with me and go, let me tell you a thing or two about radio. Um, So people have asked us what we're going to do about the news hour. Are we going to have the new news hour? Are we going to have news updates? And and I'll tell you, first of all, two things. One, as I think... You know, we, we made this abundantly clear yesterday. This is, you know, one Tim Riley. You know, uh, all of those cliches about they, you know, they broke the mold and can't replace that guy. And uh, we all know that that's true. Everybody knows that's true. And on the one hand, you know, you're glad for that because you didn't. You know, we had however many seven years with Tim Riley, and you know, who knows what the future holds? Um, small business. We all work together like five, six, seven, eight times. So, 
The future is uh, the future is the future. Lots of things are possible. Right now, today, uh, this is how it is, as we said uh, yesterday. So the you know the bad thing about Tim being unique, and I will not use any modifier like so unique or really unique. Uh, but the thing about Tim being unique is obviously you know there's you know you can't fill that niche. There's just no way to do it. Um, that said, that's thing number one. Thing number two is that for a lot of reasons, A, just because, you know, the show is the show and people, you know, you got to you got to give the people what they want. You got to give the people something to listen to and, you know, entertainment and amusement and all of that. I'm not going to say like now more than ever, because you know what, even if it's a good day for us or a good day for you, it's always a bad day for somebody. And people's days, there's always something going wrong in somebody's day somewhere, whether it's bad boss, fight with a girlfriend, stub their toe, head full of beetles, whatever. So we got to keep doing the show and we got to keep uh, doing what we do. And, and all, you know, all of those, you know, give, give, give 110%, play the game we know we can play, all, all those cliches. You know, part of that is news. Uh, you know, just because just that happens or just because no matter what else happens, the world continues to be the world and there's still crap that, that we need to talk about. And there's still, uh, you know, there's still horrifying and great and terrible and awful and icky and amusing and hilarious stories that we got to discuss. And that brings us to what are we going to do today? And so Sarah and I uh, have talked about this and we gave this a lot of thought. And I uh, talked to some other people about this. And I said, what if we did this? And I sort of laid out the idea. Which is a genius idea. I'm very proud of you. Well. You took we'll those see. lemons and made lemonade. Yeah, we'll see, actually. We it's what really I do. It <laughs> it's what I do, Sarah. It's uh, Sal's ear into radio purse is what I do. Uh, so... As I have said many times in the last 24 hours, and as I'm going to say a lot more, I think, it's it's bad, not just in this room. You know, the recession is not just here in this room. It is industry-wide, and it's not just in radio. You know, let's just confine ourselves to the media for a moment. It's in print. I mean, those poor bastards. I mean, <laughs> being in print is like being, no offense to our friends in the print, that's like being welded inside the steerage compartment of the Titanic. Except there's no guy with it. There ain't no no guy coming to break down the door to get you out. So I mean, the people in the television, people in the broadcast media, you know, get a lot of the attention because it is the broadcast media. But people in the media in general taking it in the shorts like nine different ways. A lot of people we know have been fired, let go, downsized, removed, streamlined, tightened, whatever you want to say, and you know, uh, obviously here as well. So, what we are going to do today and for at least this week and perhaps longer, because I think I calculated out, if you don't count Christmas and all that, and there's only 14 days left in the year, something like that. So, what we are going to do, no one can replace Tim Riley, that goes without saying. I hate to even use the phrase fill in for Tim Riley because it, it denotes, you know, some sort of equivalence. Fill in, we can just pretend like he's sick. Well, there you go. Yeah. Um... So, uh, you know, so you'll have to forgive me when I say fill in for Tim Riley. It's just there's no other way to put it, and, you know, there's no other phrase that really works. So for this week, and perhaps longer, every day on the Rick Emerson Show, we will have some news. Maybe it's an hour. Maybe it's a couple segments. Maybe it's an hour and some segments. That's going to... That's gonna all depends on how well it goes. Right? It's gonna, well, yeah, and just and you know, and who knows? Who knows whatever else the day holds? Sometimes it's gonna be calls. Sometimes we're gonna be, and every day there are gonna be people just finding out about Tim for the first time. 
I mean, every day there's going to be people who missed a day. They just heard the podcast. They just went to the website. So, you know, it, the show's not going to get back into any sort of a normal rhythm for, for some time. That means it's going to be bad. Just means we're not going to get back into the normal swing of things, you know, for a while. And that would be unnatural and, un, you know, and weird to think that we would. Anyway, so for this week and possibly beyond, each day we will be inviting a laid-off member of the media to come here to the show and bring some news to the people. Now, maybe they're going to be from the radio, from whatever company. Maybe they'll be from print, from whatever print outlet. They might be from television. They might be names sometimes that you recognize, people in front of the camera, behind the mic, people who have their name on the masthead or whatever you call it. They might be people that had an impact or have some sort of standing that you might not have heard of. Producers, editors, people behind the scenes. So every day this week and going forward, for as long as we feel like we need to do it, we will be inviting a different laid-off member of the media to come to the Rick Emerson Show and to help us provide you, the people, with news and entertainment. And uh, so we will begin today with a man recently laid off, guy who's been a friend of the show for a long time. We've worked with them on a few different things. They've uh, done some nice, uh, some nice things for us in the past. We'd like to do a little, uh, a little nice back. Uh, and so Byron Beck will be joining us today. He will be the inaugural, I don't want to say host, but he will be the inaugural member of the media uh, joining us today to help us do some news. And I don't know how it's going to sound. It's not going to sound like Tim, but nothing is going to sound like Tim, and we shouldn't try to make it. Um, but there's so much uh, red ink out there, and there's so much blood in the streets in all industries, you know, and media is no exception, that it is, it is kind of the least we can do. And it helps to bring, I think, our point into stark relief. So today, all this week, perhaps beyond every day, a different laid-off member of the media will join us on the program to fill in for the laid-off Tim Riley. And as gestures go, uh, that's about the best one we can come up with at the moment. Uh, do we need to do this? Do you want to break, sir? Should we do this now? Uh, well, I don't want to keep Lisa okay. waiting. All right, ladies and gentlemen, a non-laid-off member of the media. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the Hill. CNN Radio correspondent to the stars, the lovely Lisa Desjardins. Hello, how are you today? Hey, guys. If you need to break, no worries. It's all good. That's, uh, that's fine. It's my job. I'll do whatever. You're already here. I'm all right, we'll, we'll plunge uh, on. You know, if you're looking for, if you want to, you know, branch out, I can tell you that... Miles O'Brien. Oh, Miles O'Brien is a great pick, but uh, uh, little known to the big world is uh, almost the entire staff of CNN Radio Espanol was laid off about a month and a half ago. So perhaps for our Latin brothers. Uh, Latin brothers there in Portland. Maybe we'll sure put we that can scare somebody up. Maybe we'll put that on our HD channel, or we'll put that on our <laughs> AM 972 or whatever the hell they call yeah. it. So, exactly. Um, Miles, let me just say this. I'm not trying yeah. to get you to talk shop, but Miles O'Brien, was he was like the, the head of the science and, I don't know, yeah. doomsday device department. What, what, was he, what was he doing? What was his title? Well, remember, he was an anchor, a uh, midday anchor, and then he became morning anchor with Sold Out O'Brien. And then they, uh, the, the ratings weren't going up, so they, you know, pushed them both off um, and then got the new team in. But I think the ratings, I, I don't know if, if they're doing better uh, so much, but the, then they, he is a science guy, so they made him the head. Um, and he may have already been, I'm not sure if it was an overlap or not, of the science unit there in Atlanta, uh, which meant essentially one of the big focuses for those guys is covering the space program mm -hmm. uh, that's always been, uh, and, you know, aeronautics, so any plane crash, those kinds of things, he's always been an expert at. Uh, but they, they laid off that entire science unit. I think 
they they may be using those positions now for CNN.com, which is expanding. You know. Well, let's be honest. Nobody in America cares about science. I mean, really, honestly. I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, I mean, have you have you taken a good long look at the dumb bastards in this country? I mean, the, the idea that Americans really, really you know, grasp or or care to grasp at learning and knowledge and education. I mean, right, and and I think that's a long term strategy that's going to work for us. <laughs> exactly, that's what's going to keep that's what foreign competitors off our back, Lisa. That's okay. You know what? I'm no one to po- look. Can I tell you this? I spent literally like 15 minutes with my wife last night and then another 10 minutes this morning is sort of gathering and organizing thoughts about last night's episode of Gossip Girl so that I, you know, so that Sarah and I could come and bond uh, together about it and, you know, and play right to the Gossip Girl demographic as Rick Emerson gives the people what they want. So, hey, you know, hey it doesn't matter. So, you know, pot and kettle, thy name is, uh, thy name is Rick and Emerson. So, <laughs> all right. So I don't even, I don't even know where to begin. Well, first of all, what is, okay, so what is up lot, with, we have got so much going on today. It is ridiculous. Please tell me that this guy, this governor of, uh, of Illinois was actually taken out of his office in handcuffs with like an A-team villain style blazer over his head uh, was- as they put him into the back of a car. Please tell well, me. Know, at this moment is when he is supposed to be appearing in court. Um, I think it's I think it's two thirty Eastern. So righteous. Eleven thirty uh, Pacific is when he's supposed to be in court. Now I don't know uh, if he gets the orange jumpsuit or how that works. I mean, it's the initial hearing, so um, hard to say. But uh, he was, in fact, arrested at his home where the, uh, during the press conference they had earlier uh, when the FBI agent said he called the governor at 6 a.m. and said, you know, Governor, we have uh, deputies outside your door. We need you to turn yourself in right now. Um, and that Governor Bogoyevich was like, is this a prank? Who is this? <laughs> Am I being punked? Really, who is this? You know, uh, by and- the way, let him know the punking is going to come later, maybe uh, for 5 to 10. Oh, oh. I'm sorry, I didn't say that. And so they, they wanted to arrest him early before uh, anybody in the news media got wind and uh, could show up there and also before his kids woke up. So, I mean, this this story is, I, I just, there are not enough um, words to describe, superlatives to describe how amazing this story is. And really profoundly, if everything that the FBI is saying, everything that prosecutors are saying in these transcripts is accurate, what a jerk this guy this guy was. I mean, it, there's other words, of course, that I think other people... I like how you, you say that there aren't enough superlatives in the English language, and then you end it with, he's a jerk. Yeah, <laughs> it really kind of comes down to that. But, I mean, really, when you think of, uh, you know, going a little old school here, the cross of this guy, to believe that he could uh, trade this uh, U.S. Senate seat for a huge job with a union and also um, some favors from the Barack Obama campaign trying to do a three-way deal. Or what's even more amazing, somehow he got in his head, again, if this proves to be true, um, that he could blackmail the very media company that has been after him for years into getting rid of the editors uh, who are particularly against him. Somehow he thought, yeah, the the media, you know, the, the people who want to do exposés and get me fired, those are the guys that I should blackmail. That is going to work beautifully. As somebody once said, never pick fights with anybody who buys their ink by the barrel. Exactly. And so the Tribune Company, now he may have been thinking, of course, uh, and, and the deal that he was talking about had, had more to do with the Cubs and Wrigley and trying to use state money uh, for other Tribune enterprises. But it's still the big, it's still the same company, and he was still trying to get a member of their editorial board fired, uh, and uh, it was all on tape. This is just, it's just the best thing ever, and I mean, you're really right when you say that there's just no words to describe it, so I'm just going to read. How do you pronounce this guy's name? Blagojevich. Blagojevich. Yeah. 
Illinois Governor Rod Blagojevich was arrested on Tuesday in charges he conspired to sell the U.S. Senate seat left uh, vacant by President-elect Barack Obama to the highest bidder. And then I have this sort of ongoing thing where I talk about stuff that I'd like to be accused of because it would make me sound like a badass, <laughs> such as menacing or racketeering. How about this one? A corruption crime spree. <laughs> corruption crime and I mean, and you know, can I, let me also just say this about that. So our good friend, uh, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru, Susan Reynolds, oh. is from Chicago. Oh. And it, she went back to Chicago, that toddling town, uh, for Thanksgiving. And she was talking about how, you know, to nobody's surprise, I guess, that just as much as there's still Obama love, like, going on everywhere in, in the country, she's like, in Chicago, it's just it's unbelievable. It's like every single place you go, I mean, it's just everywhere you walk, there's Obama stuff, and there's, you know, the, the newspapers doing like a minute-by-minute minute thing, like, where are they? What are the Obamas doing? And she said that the reason is not only because, you know, favorite son and all that, but because Chicago is so happy to finally have a non-corrupt politician come out of their state, like to win something without, you know, without uh, the cheating somehow. You know, because they had, you know, the Daily Machine. And, Although you know, Obama, you know, he is tight with, with the Daily Machine, and Rahm Emanuel knows how to work it, so... You know, it it is tricky with him because Obama seemingly has figured out how to work the machine, but we we don't know exactly how. You know, it it does. See, we know from the transcripts from the Blagojevich transcripts, and it's fantastic. I mean, the Blagojevich on tape, according to the FBI here, um, really, <laughs> you know, saying you know f them, talking about the Obama team because the Obama team would not deal with him, that they were rejecting his offers. And he said, quote, uh, all the Obama team will give me is appreciation. And then, and then he, I think he has a, a particular word for Barack Obama himself. You know, he calls him on, God, I hate doing this, sorry, but you know, the, you know, M or F -er on, on tape. And so, of course, Barack Obama's got to be very happy about that situation. Uh, you know, it's always, let me just say this, it is always, uh... and, and some of these tapes were on the day of the election that he was trying to deal with a swap with the Obama team as the election was happening. There is something uh, particularly satisfying about seeing a nemesis vanquished. I'll put it that way. <laughs> By the way, this guy, I'm telling you right now, this is not this guy's real hair. I'm looking at the it's photograph a, here. It's know, bizarrely, a, I actually covered him in Chicago when he was running for Congress. Less hair then? Yeah, yeah. I believe that is his real hair. Nah, I don't know. He's he doing favorite, I, you know, I should have known yesterday when he showed up at the, I don't know if whoever was, if people watching CNN, he showed up at a workers' news conference wearing the black turtleneck kind of thing and a black leather jacket. I, I will tell you that if this is this guy's real hair, he's doing a really serious, like, feathered forward comb over. So it's, Yeah, yeah, or maybe he sleeps upside down. Uh, we got to... Uh... We uh, we have to do a, a couple of things here, and then we got a break, and we're going to talk to our good friend Bob Costantini. Uh, I've heard a few, but um, okay. So when when you're not busy talking about uh, the governor of Illinois who's uh, being stuck in the back of a squad car off to a cell to presumably be beaten savagely by somebody, um, so where where you know because of yesterday and some of the unpleasantness and all that, um, we were talking yeah. about how every industry is kind of just uh, you know just taking it right in the right in the pants. Um, where are we at with uh, with the auto industry? Where the auto industry, you know, the Democrats are saying they're going to have a deal today with the White House, but this is classic Democratic speak. They they sort of always get ahead of themselves mm -hmm. and then have to back down. I, you know, I just spoke to uh, House Finance Chairman Barney Frank about two hours ago, and he said, yeah, absolutely, we will have an agreement today. And then a staffer said in a couple of hours, well, the clock's still ticking. We don't know. They It, it does seem likely that they'll have a vote and pass this $15 billion rescue plan 
this week, but you know, until it's done, it's not done. All right. Well, all right. Hey, by the way, I'll uh, I'll give you uh, something bright and shiny if at some point if you can leverage Barney Frank into using actually the phrase "I'm being Frank here." <laughs> I'm just saying because it's a thing I've always wanted to see him say. Also, yeah. tell him that his mouth looks just like that of Touche Turtle. He is one of the most enjoyable guys up here to interview because. He really will call out the press for asking dumb questions, and it's just enjoyable when he does it. Well, don't you Even suspect? You do. You know that he's right. I mean, I'm not going to look. I'm not going to say that I know anything about the, you know, the the background or childhood of Barney Frank. But don't you think he probably is just unbelievably? And this is a thing nobody will say. But don't you think Barney Frank is probably unbelievably obstinate and hard nosed just because he had to be to get past that weird speech impediment that he's got his whole childhood? I mean, I'm not trying to be a jerk about it, but I mean, it's like it, it is. It is sort of like like an even less fully formed Rudy Giuliani kind of diction that he's got there. I mean, it's just... Uh, interesting. I never thought about that. It's possible. I'm just saying, you got... I mean, you talk like that growing up. Uh, you know, that you're going to you're gonna get taped to a flagpole, I would imagine, probably three, four, five times a month. So, <laughs> all right. On that note, uh, we got to run. Are you on tomorrow? I am. All right. Tell Miles O'Brien, I said, to uh, call me. We'll, we'll, we'll do lunch. You know what? I, 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 if I knew him, I would. I might email him anyway. Well, he, you know, you know who knows. He's Miles? probably updating his Facebook profile right about now. So Master Giuliano knows uh, knows Miles. I'm just saying. All right, Lisa Desjardins. We'll talk to you tomorrow, Lisa. Okay. All right. Thank you. There you go. Back after this, Bob Costantini around the corner. Later on, Byron Beck joins us in studio. The first of many laid-off media types to fill in for the laid-off Tim Riley. Uh, let's see. Katie Darrell from TMZ. We'll talk to Steve Kastenbaum, Don Taylor, and more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Go nowhere. Correspondent Bob Kastenbaum. Hello, sir. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, good morning. I didn't, um, I don't watch Gossip Girl, but, uh, my daughters do. Is that why you but hung they... up the phone? Uh, no, actually, I, <laughs> I don't know what happened there, actually. Right. Well, uh, fine communications equipment. How's life, Bob Costantini? How are things? Uh, pretty good. Pretty hey. good. All the action's happening in Chicago, it seems. Oh, wow. That, no, and seriously, let me tell you, that's like the best thing. I mean, just there's no Lisa, Lisa Dishart. I was talking to us about it earlier, and she had the greatest uh, little moment where she said, Rick, just the number of superlatives you could use to describe the arrest of the Illinois governor is extensive. He's a real jerk. I mean, it was like huge overture, little show. Uh, <laughs> hey, have I ever told you that Lisa Desjardins, when she was here in Portland, did a uh, like a, a pen sketch of you on a cocktail napkin? Uh, no, I don't. Uh... It's in my office right now. Save that. Hold on to it. Yeah. No, no, no. It's it's in my office, uh, right next to I don't know, sitting on top of my uh, the stereo in my office next to something or other, and it is on a yellow cocktail napkin. So we all went out to dinner when Lisa was here. Uh, on a yellow cocktail napkin is in fact a small sort of like I'm not going to say it's a stick figure, but I mean it's you know it, it's it, it's not like it's uh you're not going to be in the Louvre or anything, but it's a, it's a it's like a drawing of you, and then it just says noodles underneath it. So there you go. That's send me an email uh, picture of that. Too. I'll uh, I'll put it on our station uh, page. I'll make it your profile page. You can put it on your Facebook page, Bob. That's okay. All right. Um, so I, I don't I don't even know where to uh, where to begin here. So is it true that here's the thing about Al Gore? Is Al Gore is as somebody once said about um, I believe it was Jimmy Carter. They said Jimmy Carter's problem is he is liked but not well liked. Like, he's sort of a guy that you're kind of pleasantly indifferent to most of the time. But is it – so I guess is Al Gore angling for some sort of a gig with the Obama administration? 
It doesn't seem that way, Rick. Um, the sources in the uh, transition office have been telling CNN uh, pretty much all day about this meeting that's going on apparently right now in Chicago um, that uh, Gore is not going to be offered any kind of official position, uh, that they are going to be discussing global warming issues and other things, uh, needless to say. As a former vice president, it's a courtesy call um, to the new president-elect, but I, I – Really, it seems as though there's not likely to be any kind of formal relationship uh, of Al Gore in this uh, in the incoming Obama administration. Uh, but uh, you know, needless to say, when it comes to, uh, to talking about global warming issues and the environment, um, Mr. Gore will be called every once in a while. Uh, one would expect, and it's, it's fun to speculate. But uh, just let's call him Mr. Gore details right now. <laughs> I'm sorry. Just call him Mr. Gore. Uh, yeah, I call him Mr. Gore. I, I, Is that because he was the vice president? I reserve the honorifics for the president and vice president, yes. You really are old school, Bob. I am old school. Like a man of <laughs> your respect. Um, all right. You know, by the way, when you say, like, sources within the transition office, yeah. so I don't really know what that is, if it's like a figurative office, but in my head, I'm just picturing like a long sort of card table. <laughs> like in one of those storefront uh, offices that they rent, like, during the campaign. Yeah. Like, I don't know, sort of lots of windows. And I just picture the transition office. As as a, a show that uh, well I I guess I should I don't know if you know or not I mean I'll, I'll tell you that uh, our our good friend longtime colleague news director Tim Riley uh, was was let go uh, by the company is is and you know we did a whole long show about it yesterday and I, I guess people are going to kind of find out when you know we didn't get a chance to sort of tell everybody but so t you know Tim has uh, Tim has been laid off and. Anyway, we were talking about, you know, the, the unemployment office, and she was like, you got to get up at dawn and be first in line. You, you don't want to be, be – don't, don't be a laggard. But I was thinking about the transition office for the Obama presidency, and I'm just picturing it being one of those offices – where a lot of guys like Al Gore and, you know, and, you know, like, uh, you know, just sort of like hanging around outside, like Ron Paul sort of looking in the window, kind of going, I, no. I don't know. Uh, I just came by to see, like, if you um, want to go to lunch or hire me or yep. filing, anything like that. Um, nowadays, you can send in uh, your resume, uh, of course, via the Internet if you can find out about the information and, and what job you might want. Uh, there will be, needless to say, a lot of positions to be filled, um, uh, you know. But obviously, Al Gore doesn't have to stand outside the window no. and look in. If he really wanted something, um, uh, he would be given serious consideration just, for it, no doubt. But, but, I mean, uh, but doesn't Al Gore seem like one of those guys, though, that would just sort of he would just kind of come and just he'd be like the thing that would not leave. Mm -hmm. And I just picture Al Gore in this sort of dark, kind of nice but boring blue suit, sort of standing there and just going. So anyway, I didn't know if you need any help with maybe some of the, you know, I've done this. I have some experience. It's all there on my resume. I uh, I have executive experience, as you'll see in items five and six. And uh, I'm good. At, I'm good with. Uh, I won an Oscar. Did you see that? I. Um, so if you need anything or sweeping up. Or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I you can call. I should be at home. Tipper has my. <laughs> I might be at the club, but uh, just they anything. Can be in touch, but. Um... No, it, it doesn't appear, and, and obviously there was uh, – I don't know where these things get started no. necessarily, but there was speculation uh, that uh, a man who is uh, so concerned about global warming, et cetera, might be interested in being energy secretary. But, uh, you know, you have to admit that's the, the mild come down from being vice president and, and, and being almost president. I was going to say, and actually winning the presidential <laughs> yeah. election by um, some accounts. But, uh, you know, certainly not something that, you know, you, that no one would ever do. Um, 
but it's it's not likely that that's going to happen. Well, I, 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 got I two think he, you know, he may send him on missions, uh, trade not trade missions, but uh, you know, delegations to this conference or that conference. Uh-huh. Um, it's, you know, particularly it, of course, global warming. It's going to be like that movie Dave, that where Ben Kingsley gets sent off to Burundi. You know, whatever. Uh, look, I need a, I don't know, give me a ceremonial uh, spear or something. Uh, just, uh, just stay, take as long as you need. Well, yeah. two things. One one brief observation that you don't sure. have to respond to, which is that uh, I think especially now more, you know, with the, the economy just so in the, in the, just in the outhouse, I, I got to think you could probably count uh, the number of people in this country who are really seriously concerned about global warming and the environment on like, like yeah. two fingers. Um, well, obviously the issue has uh, is going to be on the back burner for a little while. Yeah, like I'll worry about least. what the cars are going to do to the environment yeah. when I when you know when we're, people are actually able to buy them. Yeah. Secondly, uh, real quickly, and we got to kind of wrap this up. It, it, I only ask this because it's one of those things that I thought we'd, like we'd taken care of years ago. Is it possible that just now? Some of these guys that we thought did the 9-11 thing are being dealt with or going to court. What is what is it seven years ago? What is, that, well, what is up with this? Well, um, yesterday it was reported that five of them um, who are on, uh, in, on trial in or have part of this military commission situation at Guantanamo uh, have uh, decided that they want to plead guilty. Uh, that's the word from the Pentagon, and uh, these – Trials and actually the, the trials haven't necessarily been carried out, but these are motions and, and they appear. And there are uh, some relatives of victims who get to sit in on these proceedings uh, at Guantanamo for the military commissions. Um, but ye- yesterday it was reported that five of them have decided that they would like to plead guilty. Uh, that includes the alleged mastermind of the 9-11 ta- attacks. And um, and some of uh, the others, and that's Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, uh, by the way. I, um, but the, you know, it, it's uh, two of them have to be ruled competent for the hearings, um, and there's a question about what uh, President-elect Obama is going to do once he gets into office with Guantanamo and these military commissions. So it's all very much in limbo you know, right now. I don't mean to make light of the situation, but what kind of bargain basement lawyer do you have when his advice is like uh, about that worst terrorist attack in, in all of American history? You should just plead guilty of that right now. I well, mean, we don't have a lot of details about what the, what happened, but um, according to this, some of this information is coming out uh, via uh, watchdog groups, mm-hmm. uh, people who were there, uh, Human Rights Watch, uh, the uh, senior counterterrorism lawyer for Human Rights Watch who attended uh, the hearing on Monday um, is uh, part of the reports that we've gotten out of Guantanamo about this. And um, uh, so it's, uh, you know, but details really are very, very skimpy at this point. All right. Bob, are you on tomorrow? Are you uh, skedaddling off to do whatever it is you're doing? I, I may be on tomorrow. I don't know. At least they'll be around All tomorrow. Right. If so, we look forward to speaking with you. If not, we shall talk in the immediate future, sir. Thank you very much. Friend. All right. Thank Take you. Care. Ladies and gentlemen, Bob! Justin. All right. Uh, it is the Rick Emerson radio program. It is Tuesday. Coming up later on, we're going to talk to uh, CNN. CNN. Mm-hmm. Rick. The song we were talking about. Yeah. Do you want to do it now? Do you want to do it? We can do it now. That's we can do rush. it now. Yeah. All right. Uh, we'll talk to a senior radio correspondent, Steve Castamount. I'm going to join us here in just a uh, skosh. Later on, Don Taylor from Film.com, who... By the way, I didn't really know this because we're doing this whole, I was going to call it something other than a gimmick. It's a, it's a gimmick. Uh, this business of having a laid-off media person fill in for the laid-off Tim Riley every day, at least for this week and maybe uh, ongoing. I didn't, I didn't realize when we were, uh, we were doing this because Dawn Taylor's coming in anyway to talk about, you know, she's doing some DVD reviews. You're going to talk about comfort films for those of you who 
Might need some comforting right now. Um, I didn't know she's been fired from like 14 different places in Portland, among them a radio station and recently the Portland Tribune. In fact, the last thing she did was that great article about us. And then we're like, that's a great piece. Don't come back. So uh, Byron Beck will join us around the corner. Uh, we will do some semblance of a news hour. We'll see how, uh, how it goes, and we're going to take it step by step here on the Rick Emerson radio program. So don't go anywhere. We are back after this. It's never been more appropriate. It's uh, the kinks on the Rick Emerson show. So uh, happy holidays, everybody. Back after this. Emerson Radio Program, an excursion into somewhat awkward whimsy. 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Richie Bristol, can you do me a favor? Can you rustle Byron Beck up a pair of headphones? That'd be ever so dandy. All right. That'd be great. Uh, just one moment. Byron Beck will be uh, joining us. So if you, uh, if you didn't hear us say this earlier, 
if for at least this week and, you know, perhaps the foreseeable future after that, I think we're like a two weeks or something left on the year. I mean, not kind of weekends and whatever. Uh, we will be having a series of laid-off media folks in here filling in for the laid-off Tim Riley, um, which is, uh, I think, about the best statement we can make on the entire sad state of affairs at this point. So Byron will be joining us here in a moment. Later on, we got Steve Kastenbaum from CNN, who's going to be here. We'll talk to Katie Darrell from TMZ.com. Uh, we will be talking to Don Taylor from Film.com. Geek Watch coming up. Cannibal Watch. Uh, Clergy Watch coming up. And Richie Bristol will be in here uh, later on. We don't have time to do this now. Uh, but uh, Richie sort of approached approached us a while back about a, a sort of appearance a and aesthetic having. dilemma he's having. And you know what? I here, Here's the thing. Bad news yesterday or not, uh, Richie's drag show is coming up this Saturday, December 13th. By the way, Tim Riley's going to be there. And I guess he's going to be introducing Richie, right? Uh, Rochelle. 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 He will be introduced the cabaret. Is he going to be, so he's going to be doing more than that? Let's check so, on the microphone. I'm going to try to get him to MC the whole hour. We'll All right. See. Well, so, but in some capacity, Tim will be there uh, this coming Saturday. So we'll talk to Richie about that later on, your phone calls, and all of that. Ladies and gentlemen, will you please welcome to the Rick Emerson Show. And now, from the CBS Radio Center in downtown Portland, this is the news. See how it's all generic and whatnot? Wow. Almost like we can use it That's for anybody. No. Oh, what are you going to do? I couldn't. I was actually thinking about doing the from the Ministry of Truth. This is, and then I would go like Byron or you know whatever. So uh, let's now welcome to the Rick Emerson Show. Late of, I guess I can't say the late of Willamette Week, uh, and a good friend of the Rick Emerson Show, the one and only Byron Beck. Hello, sir. Hello, hello, hello. How are you? It's an honor to be here today to fill in for Tim Riley or till he comes back. I assume it is. Uh, it is, I'm glad you joined us today. We're this very is happy. Really, the best way to start this. I love it, and I'm so happy I get to uh, fill in for him, and that's why I'm calling it filling in for Tim Riley. There you go. See, and it's uh, we it, we drew up kind of a mental list of people we knew. Uh, you know, not to sing the sad song for the billionth time, but people who've been you know affected by this, and the media is no different. I mean, no no worse off in some ways, but no better off in many ways. And uh, and you were kind of the uh, you were kind of the the guy that came to everybody's mind first mm. and foremost. So yeah, because I got laid off in a big old way. <laughs> it is it is true. Uh, well, so let's just do a, you know a little bit of uh, backstory on that. So you, if you don't mind talking about this, I can talk about. If I, if I maybe exploiting your pain. That's okay. Um, so you uh, went to work at the Willamette uh, when? In uh, 2000. And was that now that had they because you did the queer window column, but was that? Is that what you started doing, or did you start something else? I was uh, hired as a special sections editor, and we started the Queer Window column because Dan Savage was coming to town with the Mercury, and we thought we should have a gay column in the paper, and they asked me if, uh, I asked if I could do it, and they gay said, okay, let's try it for a couple times and see if it's okay, and it lasted for 500 columns. Wow. That is... Wow. I mean, I can't even, it's all I could do. Like, I went to write a blog posting last night. It's all I could do to buckle down to, you know, to write uh, something. You just so. do it one day at a time. Have you ever thought about taking them all and making them a book? I don't think I can, I, I don't think I own the property. The property uh. of the Willamette, so, yeah. No, that would, it, probably intellectual, uh, intellectual property and all of that. But let's just say my editor's not ready to have that conversation, neither am I. Yeah, well, I, I mean, <laughs> you know, I could... There's that period of awkwardness. Uh, and then it was, you know, we, uh, as I think they themselves, the Willamette said in the next issue, that it was... You you did have a great final column, and it was about you and your partner, Juan. And what a beautiful picture of the two. It, it, it was, too. It was a really, really great uh, photo, and it was you guys, I guess, holding your domestic partnership yep. certificate. Yeah, and we got uh, domestically partnered. And um, 
And then I think it was that. I don't know if that's the same issue where they made the announcement or if it was in the next issue that they made the, the well, announcement about the Well, it was a publisher's report in the next issue. And they said budgetary restrictions, sure. blah, blah, blah. We, we bid farewell to da, 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 da. And then you were one of the names on the list, which. Well, they didn't you actually mention my name, but yes. <laughs> didn't they? Did they no. not even use your name? No. And then How did they refer to you? Columnist. Resident. Guy. <laughs> That's like, gay seriously. guy. The gay guy. This cubicle <laughs> 12 now empty. That's like when you get the uh, attention occupant. You are being offered a special deal from, well, well, all right then. Um, but that was a month ago yesterday, and so it feels like a long time ago and also like yesterday. I love that paper. I love my job. I believe in alt journalism with all my heart, mm-hmm. and I'm sure Tim loves this this pub, this medium absolutely loves his job and will only do what's best for tim riley at the same time will only do what's best for you guys too so we'll, we'll at the, in regards to willamette week i wish them well i know it's a very very difficult time for print publications and i am one of many who go to the unemployment office now it is i have to tell you didn't you say there's some cranky person there well, uh, do can we? Okay, so there's this. Let's guy. not identify anybody by name. Okay, I won't use his name, but he used to be in our industry, right? In, in television, actually. That's the best way to put it. Well done. <laughs> and he, he you now lost his job in our industry, and now teaches a reorientation class at uh, the unemployment office. And he is so funny because he walks into the room, he goes, "So." Uh, this is the most solemn crowd I've ever been in front of. Why the long faces? And then he goes, "Oh, right." And then he go, proceeds to tell us how none of us are going to get hired during the month of, J- the month of December. You're because, all wasting your time. Yeah, and how we are a group of very difficult to place people <laughs> that we scored really high. That's why we were in this group. Oh. And then, you know, there was a pregnant woman in there. I was thinking, what job does she? What? Right. And then on top of all that, on top of all that, he quicks quickly finishes a segment, and then the veteran guy comes on. And for the next 45 minutes, with no veterans in there, he tells us how we how he we're, unemployment is there for the veterans and that we need to go out and find veterans and help them get back into the workforce. <laughs> and that it was up to us. Because you're not ever because you're not going to get a job, Byron. <laughs> because as the other guy told you, you're unemployable. Well, it's a little bit like uh, it reminded me Jesus. of like uh, – a really bad sitcom from the 70s and uh, something like WKRP. Right. And it's a very odd group over there. And, you know, hopefully I'll say nothing else because I'll take away my benefits. But Oh, no, they uh, they can't. You're legally, you're legally entitled to those. Let me tell you, I've been down that road. The as long Here's the thing. I'm not saying uh, that one should pretend to look for a job. That would be wrong. <laughs> I am saying this. Because here's the thing, uh, you know, I, as we've talked about, and I don't think, Sarah, did you take unemployment last time? No, because no. you still had a gig. Yeah, because I was at Coin. You still had the Coin? Mm-hmm. You were still on TV. I was still getting up at 3.30 in the morning, putting on Ooh. horrible makeup and wearing well, bad clothes. You know, and I guess on the one hand, you say, well, I had a job on TV, and there's worse ways to earn a living than standing in front of a camera and going, there's going to be congestion and looky-loos. On the other hand, there's something to be said for, you're just taking a break, and you're getting a check uh, every week or whatever. But I've certainly been down that road for you're filing for unemployment, and it is I do. I know exactly what you're talking about when you fill. Because here's the thing: unless it's changed, because I haven't filed for unemployment in. See, I can't remember if I filed for unemployment when we got blown out at Intercom. I must have. You must. I, I must you, have. You I must be blocking it out. But, but, but you do go through this thing where you fill out like. And at this point, I don't think you could do it online. I think when we got fired at Intercom, I don't think you could do it online. I think you had to go down there. And like some corporate accounts payable, Nina speaking woman would like shove you a thing and you had to fill it up. And it was like the bad 
And it was like the bad box of like stubby three inch pencils, you know, yeah. they would like they have at church and well, like they still it, have those. Yeah, and it's like you, you know, and it, or the pen that's been chained down that no longer works, you know, but nobody can fix it because it's chained down. And so I'm filling out the application for unemployment, and they're asking you to list like, what are you good at? What are your skills? What can Rick Emerson do? And I'm realizing that all of my job, really, this is the only thing I can do. I mean, it's like professional curmudgeon and layabout. I mean, it's like, oh, that's it, man. Like, that's all for me. And it you're filling this out. Well, but you're realizing that, like, the unemployment office, a lot of people don't know this if you haven't filed for unemployment, they're not just the guys who send you the check. I mean, that's a big part of it. But also a lot of it, they are theoretically going to help you find work. Insert, like, rim shot here. And, but you know, but if you're me... And it's not like I'm special or something. I'm just, it's not, in fact, it's the opposite of that. It's like that you all have skills and things you can do I and talent. We've been talking for years. I have no talents. <laughs> this is it, baby. This is all. Like, I, I push buttons and talk about Britney Spears with you. That's it. I'm, I'm screwed. And I've tried to find real jobs in the past, and that's not happening. Not because I'm not willing to work. It's just because there's nothing else I am competent at. Exotic dancing. Well. That's number three, Byron. I have, I have, I have lost some weight, Byron. What I with my noticed. fine, delicate features, uh, and you're filling this out, and you're realizing two things. Like one is, Jesus God, this is really happening, and the other is, they're never going to find me a job ever, ever. But the the one silver lining about that, and so if anybody else, uh, you know, is in this boat, if you lost your gig and you're going to be out there like at the unemployment office, you're going to be taking this stupid job survey. The only moderate silver lining is. If you make your talents and your description specific enough, they will not be able to find some dirt heel demeaning uh, slave wage job to send you on an interview to. Like bank teller, they wanted me to. They wanted me to be a bank teller. See, I can almost see that. <laughs> or no, 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 no. Did you have to go on the interview no, then? Or like, uh, or like travel agents. I can see you. I can see them sending you to like man the desk at like you know. Exotic Getaways Incorporated, where you, how about Mazatlan? And then you, like, type it into the computer. But I, because otherwise they will say, like, look, uh, here's a job where you've got to uh, pick up one box and you've got to, like, move it across a room and then set it down on the floor and then sweep and then repeat it for eight hours a day and then go home and drink. And they didn't send me in any of those jobs because because my skills were just such that, that they couldn't do it. Um, you know, so so there's that. But it is interesting that the guy just flat out told you right before the holidays, like, there is no employment in your future. Abandon right. all hope. Yeah, because of taxes, because nobody wants to put you on the tax uh, season for this year, so they want to hire you in January, because then that's when they'll be able to Fiscal find it, year claim it on the next tax. Right, so, right. Uh, you know, good times, real real good times. It is, uh, it is a challenging environment, Byron. <laughs> God. All right, so, so fun. So for this week and perhaps beyond, uh, we'll do some news here in a second. We are going to be having laid-off media folks filling in for the laid-off Tim Riley, um, because uh, it is to whatever small extent we can uh, make a bright shiny object out of this pile of whatever. It is the best we can do in terms of win-win-win and all of that stuff. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado. Byron Beck with the news. Hi, uh, I'm Byron Beck. I'm doing the news. Oprah Winfrey says she weighs 200 pounds. When it comes to her weight, Oprah Winfrey has always been straightforward. The talk queen show, uh, talk show queen, continues the honesty, saying the January issue of O Magazine out Tuesday that she now weighs 200 pounds and has fallen off the wagon when it comes to healthy living. Now, with Dr. Phil and Bob and all these private chefs, how does Oprah Winfrey fall off the wagon? Seriously. That's unfair. Well, and she I was, has no excuse to me. Well, that's, that. That's, see, that's the thing. And 
I know that making jokes about Oprah Winfrey's way does seem just like the lowest hanging fruit on the comedy, you know, in the comedy. Uh, for lack of self-control. Well, but the, the thing is, they so much money off of her weight loss <clears throat> for well, many people. And also, I mean, first of all, uh, that O magazine. I know that at a certain point she was trying to do that because, it, you know, the O magazine is one of those things that I've never really read. But like when you're at the checkout line at Safeway, it, you know, it's like there next to the Tic Tacs and the D-cell batteries and the whatever. And you kind of look at it. And just like everybody scanned, and I'm, I have no shame. Like, I'll pick up the Inquirer and just, and there's no page numbers in there because they want you to buy it. But I'll just sit there and I will dawdle and shuffle slowly just so I can read through the Inquirer and find, like, whatever the story in the front is that they're kind of teasing, which actually last week was about Oprah. But you sit there and you read O Magazine, and first of all, you look at it and you think, you know, Oprah's face is on every single cover. Yeah, she is on every cover, right? But I mean, but you know, but the, but here's the thing about Oprah. Don't get me wrong. I have all the respect in the world for Oprah. I really do. I mean, she is just a she's an icon and an amazing businesswoman and a shrewd marketer and all of that. And I mean, she successfully made herself into a brand. So I, you know, I don't take anything away from that. But Oprah does have this kind of false, just folks kind of a thing. You know, that like she's she's kind of one of one of the people. And at one point, somebody said to her, like six weeks into the run of that old magazine. Like, you know, when are you going to put somebody else? Like, why is it always you on the cover? Like, I know the magazine is named for you, but 280 million people in America, can you find somebody else to put on the cover? And she did that She did that thing of switching on the the South Carolina accent or whatever it is that she's got. You know, she's got that kind of, she does have that kind of down-home accent that she puts on when she wants to sound relatable. Mm-hmm. And she goes, she goes, oh, child, I'm just unimaginative. <laughs> I don't feel no way tired. No, it was like Hillary Clinton. She, yeah. goes, she goes, well, we're just, we couldn't think of anything else. So that's why it's my, that's why it's my ugly mug on the cover. Which was like nine years ago. So um, anyway, so it's now Oprah on the cover. And I think you totally nailed it when you said, like, really, look, I managed to lose some weight just by cutting out Kraft macaroni and not eating big bags of Funyuns every night in front of the television. Like, really, seriously, like, confidential to uh, weight gaining in Wichita. If your billionaire fat ass can't figure out a way to lose weight... Then I mean, just keep it to yourself. Mm-hmm. We don't want to hear. I mean, really, I mean, couldn't it? Couldn't Oprah at this point just afford to have somebody on top who literally just came in with a hose every single day and just vacuumed that fat out of her? Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. I mean, Jamie Lynn Spears is getting liposuction when she was pregnant. So. <laughs> well, now that's being rebutted, but let's just choose to believe that. It's I'm just saying, it seems like uh, you know, whatever chef, workout, personal trainer, drugs, whatever it is you need to lose weight, uh, falling off the wagon is no longer an excuse uh, when you're Oprah. Anyway, so I'm not. Speaking of I'm overeating, not yes. let's go to Cannibal Watch. Is this our Cannibal Watch? <laughs> cannibal Watch. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your Cannibal Watch for Tuesday. Here's Byron back with your Cannibal Watch for Tuesday. Accused killer Sidney Tearhouse claims he was fascinated with death and carefully plotted out his own demise in a bizarre arrangement with a Vancouver man. Uh, when Winnipeg jurors have learned this week that Tearhouse allegedly agreed to be murdered and cannibalized while living out west in 2001, he claims that he purchased a massive pressure cooker a large amount of sleeping pills, and even selected a specific date. 
This is where in Winnipeg? Winnipeg, Canada. So, this is out of Canada. So this is not the uh, this is not like the German the guy the the, the place an ad please come and uh, flambe me and eat me guy. This is a this is a different one altogether. Yes, this is a different guy. Tierhouse said the plan fell through when the man abruptly changed his mind and returned to his native India to bomb Mumbai. Do you? Uh, it's Byron Beck who said that. By the way, we're not saying that the man went back to bomb anything. Um. So, well, all right. A, uh, I got many things to say about this. A, this is the second now case of cannibalism uh, in Winnipeg because I think Winnipeg was like where the, uh, I don't know. Was it the guy who killed his girlfriend in the barbecue? Well, no, there was, no, 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 that wasn't, but see, that wasn't even Canada. There was, and there was the guy in the bus, like the Greyhound beheader. Yes. Was the one who walked, like he, I'm not laughing about that, I'm just. Just pointing out the absurd pageantry of life, where he, like, cut off the guy's head and then was, quote, parading up and down the aisle of the bus with it and then nibbling on it from time to time. But then, now, this is the second one. Also, I love the idea that the guy came all the way, like, seeing the ad online, he was fine with it. Uh, corresponding with the guy, fine with it. Buying the plane ticket, fine with it. Getting on the plane, fine with it. Gets to Winnipeg, guy begins to take, like, a blowtorch and a bone saw to one of his thighs. Second thoughts. Decides to go back. Goes so. back to... India. Exactly. To live a life of peace and prosperity, Byron. The guy says, I still think about him every now and then and hope someday I will run into him so he can cook me. (laughs) (laughs) I still think about his loving embrace and the sound that the the meat slicer made when it fired up in the kitchen. I will wait to find the right man or men who'd be willing to have me on their dinner table. Well, all right then. By the way, I, one other observation is uh, about buying a pressure cooker. And I really understand how they work. I don't even really I don't understand, understand what it is. Is it like a slow cooker that just explodes? No, but see, that's the thing. Aren't you always afraid that they're going to blow up and kill everybody in the kitchen? Yeah, it's like the turkey that you have to hot oil. Oh, like with the, when you're dipping it, like yeah. when you do the full. We do, uh, but the pressure cooker though isn't that. The okay, let's stop. We got uh, three different things. First of all, is a slow cooker the same thing as a crock pot? Yes. Is okay. a Crock-Pot just a name-brand slow cooker? Yes. All right. Okay, like, like clean like up the I should have known, actually, that you would be sort of the voice of authority on these things. Who does the cooking in your house? One. Really? Okay. So and I just... use the Q-tips, which are like cotton swabs, but they are the product name for cotton swabs. All right. I guess I could I guess I guess could tell that you do the eating in the house. So <laughs> I mean... No, I'm just saying. I mean, look at, look at the two of you. It is sort of like... One Whatever. person. One is quite smell. It's like somebody else. Somebody else is faster with the fork. Um, mm. The uh, look at him all skinny now. I'm just saying, no, no, no. I'm just wait. I'm just wait. Jokes. Wait. Bigot. <laughs> make a bitch. Make of the observation. Um, I have hair. Uh, I've just well, fair enough. Uh, so there's the crock pot, which is the brand name for a slow cooker. Yes. And then there is a pressure cooker. Which is neither of those. Now, the pressure cooker, though, is like that weird... Is the pressure cooker the thing that Mr. T was selling? No, see, that's that's a, no, see, that's the flavor wave, the turbo oven thing or whatever. The pressure cooker is that thing my mom used to use, I think, where she would make like a roast, but it has that weird that weird thing that's shaped like a giant aspirin on top. You know what I'm yes, talking yes, about? Yes, yes, yes. It's like a weird circular thing with holes in it that sits on top you, of the pressure cooker. You, you do use it to can jam. See, but okay, but now that's and uh, we'll move on from this. I swear we're not going to make the entire thing like uh, you know, like the splendid table with Rick and Byron and Sarah. But the but the pressure cooker is a thing that I think you have to latch down the sides, and then it's got like okay. it's got like some whistle or something on top. It's like a teapot sort of a thing. But the thing is, I was constantly terrified of it because when I was about I don't know five or six, my mom made some observation about, uh, look, I'm going to be pressure cooking, so stay out of the kitchen because you never know when it's going to explode. And then at some point growing up, and it's all kind of fuzzy about when it happened, 
Like one of the latches did give way oh my when I was a kid, and it was like a bam, and it just—I mean—and the whole house shook, and nobody was in the kid, nobody was hurt. But I mean, and when, and when it was like—I mean—it was like meat all over the walls. It was like a bad. Isn't worth it that much? No, I mean, it, it seems like that's sort of a primitive technology. I mean, I know they're godless Canadians at all, but it seems like we ought to be past the pressure cooker by now, which then also leads to the subject of canning, which I think is sort of a different. All I remember about canning is you would walk in, and it's always done during the summer because you got to have it ready for like fall and winter. And so it's all, you know, and in Canada, it's like 114 degrees anyway. And that's like when you got to start canning the food. And you go, and my mom's hair just plastered to her head, looking like the Crypt Keeper for like six, seven, eight, nine hours a day. So anyway, well, and so forth. We'll take a break here. We'll come back with more news. There is your Cannibal Watch for Tuesday on the Rick Emerson Show. More from Byron back around the corner. Later on, Steve Kastenbaum, Katie Byron from PMZ, Dawn Taylor, and Mark It's the Rick Emerson Show, not 21. Have a big dinner, have a light snack. Why, hello. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503 Coming up later on today, CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum will join us from New York City. Uh, Katie Darrell, who's cute as a button, from TMZ.com will join us. Uh, we'll talk to Don Taylor from Film.com uh, and uh, more. And plus, we get all of these, I mean... Here's the thing. I mean, my stupid personal observations don't stop uh, just because bad things happen uh, in the world. So I got like I got like pages and pages and pages of stuff to get to. Plus, my Gossip Girl notes from last night, which are now fundamentally useless because Sarah didn't get a chance to Byron, watch it. Do you watch Gossip Byron, Girl? do you watch Gossip Girl? No, 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 no. Although I think they're hot. <laughs> Sorry. Which one? All of them? They're uh, all the hot. whole lot. It's actually the girls. The one who plays Blair is really pretty. And really pretty. And I don't. I'm sorry, you have never sounded more gay than you did in that moment right there when you said they're really pretty. Here's what people can't see. When you said really pretty just now, you kind of like full, turned your hands like palms upward and you kind of. Magical. And you totally, you totally brought them in as though you were going to go, there's a place for. Like right there. So, all right, well, well, God damn it. Uh, sorry, honey. Uh, I know you made all the. Screw it. I'm going to do them anyway right now. All right, yeah. These are my. Wife's... Way to be relatable. These are my wife's gossip girl notes. Uh, that we were actually planning on doing this anyway, because like, it, because every week it's like I would come in and talk about the Shield, but there's like nobody else on the show who cares. You and Tim would come in, and usually one of you, sometimes both of you, but one of you would have watched Gossip Girl, and there was like nobody else to bounce it off of. So I'm gonna do last night's uh, Gossip Girl notes, and then we'll move on with more news. Uh, these are the notes about last night's Gossip Girl by my wife Lara. Uh, one. She says, I heart cell phones as a prominent plot device. And what she means by that, and they do this on Dexter, by the way, it's like when you're watching, um, I mean, insert movie, but like when you're watching CSI, and they have that weird space-age computer that has an operating system that doesn't look anything like any of the operating systems like in the real world. Like, it's not Mac, not Windows, and not even anything that's made to look like Mac or Windows. It is, it's like some weird, like, like inside the Matrix Johnny Mnemonic kind of supercomputer that they just happen to have at the Miami-Dade, like, coroner's office or whatever. That always makes a lot of things like whenever you're searching for a suspect, it always goes, and it scrolls through all their photos really quickly, and then it goes like, ding, 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 suspect identified in big letters, which, like, no one really has. Here's the thing that nobody really has in real life, but that they use on Dexter and on Gossip Girl. 
it's some kind of like off-the-shelf cell phone, but that like every single thing you do on the cell phone, there's a huge prompt for it that appears in like 90-point type on the screen. Do you really want to call Blake? You know, yes, no, or, you know, incoming phone call from Devin, except yes, no. Like in such massive letters, or and like the text messages are all like that, too, just so everybody at home can see what's going on. So that was happening all throughout last night's uh, Gossip Girl episode. Uh, I didn't say <laughs> two. Lara says, "Is Serena still with the with the art dude?" We'll get to that. Actor who plays Chuck Bass needs to spend more time around drunk people. Chuck Bass looks like a lurching zombie at his dad's funeral, not drunk. Oh, so that's who died. I guess the dad died. She said that Chuck Bass is. Uh, I guess he's supposed to be like he can't deal with the pain, presumably because his father never loved him or mm-hmm. you know whatever. So I guess he's supposed to have had a few. But she said like the actor. Like, he doesn't really look drunk so much as he just looks like he's had, like, a frontal lobotomy, like Rose Kennedy style, and he's just doing a lot of, like, uh, sort of a thing. Mm. Well, that guy's a party boy in real life, so I know that he does know how to be drunk. Uh, Note number three from last night's Gossip Girl. Serena and Dan totally belong together, three exclamation marks. I'm so not into this new BF of Serena's. He's supposed to be a tragic, lovable artist boy, and I love to lovable, tragic artist boys, but he's not that cute. But Serena and Dan have too tumultuous of a history. I don't think that they'll be able to work it out again. Do they have an up-and-down, passionate romance? They do indeed, but they, you know, he comes from the wrong side of the tracks with his artist father and her... I, I can't remember this one. Are they star-crossed lovers? Yeah. All right. I think. Um... He's not that cute. It looks like he's desperately trying to grow a mustache at times. Give me a cute tragic artist to create more tension that keeps Serena and Dan apart, because I'm just not feeling the tension with this douchebag. Uh, note number four of five. As much as we're all pulling for Lily and Rufus to have a happily ever after, can we all agree it's tacky to run away together the week of your husband's funeral? Lily is a spoiled little rich go- uh, girl. And then five... Lily and Rufus? I don't know. I haven't watched that show in a couple of weeks. Five, OMG, are Serena and Dan half-siblings? Lily would... Oh, my... I guess they did something, though, but I guess there was some quasi... They were, they've been humping it out for a long time well, now. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess... I guess there was some quasi... That was, that was weird, because that's what I was thinking, because like, I know that dad, uh, Dan's dad is like a rough-and-tumble guy, and then Serena's mom, and for some reason I thought that they were connected a little bit. Well, I guess there was some sequence last night uh, where there was like some secret child that like she didn't tell the dad about, like some secret baby that was given away early on, and I guess there was some the revelatory point last night where the dad goes like, just tell me, was it a son or a daughter? And, like, the mom says, like, you know, whatever, none of your, you lost the right to know that when you slept with that stewardess or whatever. So, so it turned into Beverly Hillbillies 90210? I guess, I, I mean, really, I, so apparently, like, two of the characters might be humping it out, and then, ooh, they're related, sorry. So, there you go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the laid-off Byron Beck filling in for the laid-off Tim Riley with more news. Well, and that is what I'm doing. Uh, let's go to Jock Watch. Here is your Yay. Jock Watch for Tuesday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Fox apologizes for broadcasting Naked Viking. The Fox networks are apologizing for showing Minnesota Vikings. Like Leif Erikson, Naked Viking? Yes. Like, like we like, come from the land of ice and snow with no, midnight sun with a hot like, spring. Uh, no, 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 no. A Minnesota Viking. Oh. It's tight in Desante Seneco, who I assume is Italian. Sure. 
Okay, naked in the locker room after Sunday's game against the Detroit Lions. According to the Minneapolis Star Tribune, Fox camera crews were in the Minnesota locker room to capture owner Ziggy Willie Wilf, Wilf giving the game coach game ball to coach Brad Trill. These are big words. <laughs> These are just big, big words. So All I have to say is that they were really, really upset that they showed his ass on TV. So it was like, so this is on, well, first of all, wouldn't you, uh, I mean, I don't really know because I'm not like a sports guy, but wouldn't you figure if you go into the locker room, there's like nudity and asses and so forth? Sure. And I mean, it's, I mean, that's like a, that is the scientific term, Byron. I mean, isn't that like a given? Like that, the, the locker room is where dudes are like changing and showering and so forth. But I think it happens more on Euro- European television, like Italian television or mm. like German television. You're always seeing some guy who like it, like is half porn star who's uh, swinging it in the background. But in American TV, you don't see that much. And you know, I don't see that much bo- locker room action anymore, too. What do you mean? What do you mean by that? There's any number of ways I could take that statement. Uh, I I thought you meant like uh, since they closed, what's it downtown? Oh, when you said you don't see much locker room action anymore. Yeah, but there was. But people may not remember this. There was a whole thing I think with the Patriots. uh, Maybe, God, I want to say like mid the mid the late uh, '80s. And there was a whole thing where they were like trying to find. There was like some chick reporter uh, who was going to be covering football, and that's you know that's always like a debate in of it's like girls shouldn't be covering a man's game and whatever. Um, but but the girl like goes into the Patriots locker room, and she's like, so uh, you know, what do you have to say about the big win, guy? And you know, meanwhile, some dude in the background is like, hey, look at this, you know, mama or whatever. It was all very, it's all very unpleasant. It wasn't so, steel magnolias. Too. No, 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 it was not. <laughs> no. At some point, you would figure maybe if you go into a locker room, oh, I don't know, maybe film above the waist or something yes, like that. Yes, that would be a good way of doing it. Speaking of jock watch. Calling in gay to work is latest form of protest. In San Francisco, some same-sex marriage supporters are urging people to call in gay tomorrow to show how much a country relies on gays and lesbians. But other question whether it's wise to encourage skipping work given the nation's economic distress, which I kind of agree. I, I agree because if you listen, the guy who put the day without a gay is a West Hollywood comedian and personal trainer. So he's really got like a he's got really a really pa- uh, packed appointment book. Like yeah, Sean Hetherington is gonna like screw it up for everyone out there in the real world. I, I just don't see this being a good thing. So what is the what? But it's supposed to be tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. Well, it seems like they could have used. Now is it just in San Francisco or is it? No, I, you know everybody's supposed to do it all over the country. It seems like a little bit of late notice for this. I mean, if you're gonna plan like a whole day of doing something, like I, you can't even really get five people to agree in a restaurant without like a month's planning. That's so. true. That's true. I mean, in the gay world, this is all around, you know, but. But in, I guess because you're in the straight world, you wouldn't really In my notice. breeder world? Yes. In your breeder world, in your little cocoon of breederness, uh, you probably wouldn't know this. No. I guess, although I have to tell you, when I lived in California, I think it was when I was still living in California, this it sounds like it's a spinoff. They did this thing in, in Southern California, at least, years ago. God, when was this? Well, it was some time ago, but they did a thing called Day Without a Mexican. Which was it was it was the same thing. It was a whole lot of it was when you know, one of those some of the immigration thing had really flared up, and it, it was a it, they were trying to and I think there was a film or a documentary or something that was tied into it, and it was a lot of like this is how you know the, the, this is how much contribution to the workforce and to whatever the Mexican population yeah. contributes, and you know, but the same thing. It's like you know I don't really know that anybody could be like, well, I'm just I'm not coming to work for no good reason. What are you going to do? Fire me? Which seems like it might be the uh, the wrong time to and do it- that. Day without hairdressers, really? I mean, and like exotic dancers. Let's see, uh, people who paint your toenails. I mean, uh, I know that's really <laughs> wrong for me to say, but 
a day without gays. I, I mean, so... A day without gays wouldn't be as pretty. And it does... That's right. A day without gays is like a day without sunshine, Sarah. So, and really, it, really smelly sunshine. It also does uh, well-groomed sunshine. Immaculately quaffed sunshine. Perfumey it does, sunshine. Also, the two other things. A, it doesn't really seem to me like you want to give large sections of this country yet another reason to dislike the gay, you know, the gay community. And you also don't want to give them some sort of look, and they don't even show up for work. They're lazy <laughs> on top of it. So, all right. Yeah, well. yeah. Well, we take the credit for everything. Everything that's bad in this country is our fault right now. You realize that. Okay, so this is an audio cue. Uh, are we playing some audio now? Yeah, I'm Fantastic. going to same-sex marriage opponents gearing up for hearing from Des Moines, Iowa. Opponents of same-sex marriage are gearing up for a big day in Iowa. Iowa Family Policy Center President Chuck Hurley, which sounds kind of gay, says he hopes the, the Iowa Supreme Court sends a clear message. Hold on. To think, but two things. One, A. I'm just guessing. I don't know anything about Chuck Hurley, and of course, uh, we will not engage in any sort of. Uh, I'm just saying. No, I'm saying I don't really. We won't say any. You know, we won't uh, say anything. Obviously, that would be uh, defamatory because I don't pretend to know him. But two things. One, just by dint of the fact that his name is Chuck, uh, I think you know where he uh, where he falls in this. And B, what's the name of his institute? Uh, Iowa Family Policy Center. All right, so there Family you go. Family Policy Center. Which means that's uh, breeding. Is this so going to be an Adam and Steve comment? The, uh, that is the, uh, that is the uh, you know, Adam and Steve and Jesus and clown car. And, and that, that traditional marriage should be preserved. We believe that the only safe and sane thing is to teach them that marriage matters. Marriage is between a man and a woman. It's designed to be for life, and that's the best model, and we ought to keep our public policy the way it's been for hundreds of years. It sounds like a singularly joyless uh, man. And here's the thing, and I will say this, this is just my constitutionally protected observation. When you listen to someone like Chuck Hurley, or perhaps any number of his female equivalents, you really do have the sad, sad, sad realization that there's somebody having a whole lot of uninteresting missionary position mm -hmm. relations with that person. It's like, so, I'm miserable, so you should be Exactly. Here. I don't have any fun at all. And uh, I'm not going to say a swear word on this, but the thing about traditional marriage, and if you... Everything's because I have a domestic partnership now that I have all these rights. Well, live in my world for one day when I try to get my insurance with through my partner's uh, company. Right. Yes, I can get insurance. It's really, really expensive, and it's because I'm not married to him. And um, it, he works for a civil rights organization, Basic Rights Oregon. It's a great group, but and they do provide partners uh, insurance. But I'm not married to him, so I'm not in the same situation. And it's really, really sucks. And you get, do, I mean, do they give you like, I mean, I don't know how this would even work, but I mean, do they give you like the, uh, at some places like the stink eye, if you're like, if you, in other words, if you're going to be like, and I'm on the, my partner's insurance, like, do you ever worry that somebody's, you know, that whatever well, provider is going to look at that and go, well, I suppose I'll treat you if I have to? It's an interesting thing about civil rights. Uh, I think that black people probably feel a little bit like I do in the sense that probably people aren't openly racist to them to their face. It's when they leave the room or turn around. And then maybe the stink eye is more like the stink back, you know? Okay. I'm sorry, I don't mean to laugh. Stink back. No, that was a funny. funny phrase, but that's a very good point. Yes. All right. Uh, keeping on the gay and jock watch, uh, this has really nothing to do with either one, but it just, I like how it sounds. Sus suspect swallows, then regurgitates evidence with a bag of crack. Uh, this happened somewhere in Mount Clemens, which I have no idea where that is. Uh, a man on the run from police may have thought swallowing a stash of crack cocaine would eliminate the evidence. <laughs> they didn't think about that he might get sick. So in front of the police, he spilled all the rocks on the ground. 
So this is where they, this is like the thing where they were ketchup, they pulling him over or something, and then it was like the, yeah, you will never take me alive, and yeah. just shoving it into his mouth. After a short chase, police finally caught up with the suspect who promptly threw up. Several rocks of crack were caught, quite obvious uh, in the vomit, said Detective uh, Captain Richard Marley. First of all, there's two things. One, I guess one and then one and a half and then two. One, I can't imagine that swallowing a lot of rocks of anything has got to be a pleasant experience. And then two, throwing up a lot of rocks of anything has got to be unpleasant as well. And then three, you want to talk about seniority being all, how'd you like to be the poor sod that they like, you know, the next thing you hear is just the snap of a latex glove. Carl, you're going to be rooting through this guy's sputum. Uh, Do these, Carl, do those, tell me if they taste like crack. So, Jesus God Almighty. All right. Here's, Second audio cue. Are uh, we doing more audio? Okay, here's Byron okay. Beck. Study shows half-dose flu shot effective. We're learning more about the potency of the flu shot out of Cleveland, Ohio. Researchers at Walter Reed Army Medical Center says a half-dose version given to people younger than 50 may be as effective against the influenza virus as the full dose. Now we could say that people who are between the ages of 18 and 49 who are healthy... I don't trust this guy. I love are, his voice. I love his voice. ...working in a medical field, for example, <laughs> can get half the dose and would get as much immune response as they would have gotten the full dose. I think you want to check that guy's mace, but there's probably a secret second laboratory down there and perhaps several kids that nobody's seen for a few decades. I'm just, I'm just saying comedically. That's a little racist, but very funny. No, he didn't. Doesn't he? Have, doesn't he sound Austrian? You know what that means. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, I'm just, I'm Back just saying what, all, saying what we're all thinking, Byron. Uh, did you Wait, ever, I think I have another clip from him. Did you? And hi, everybody. Well, bye, Dr. Nick, this malpractice committee has received a few complaints against you. Of the 160 gravest charges, the most troubling are performing major operations with a knife and fork from a seafood restaurant. But I cleaned them with my napkin. Misuse of the cadavers. I get here earlier when I drive in the carpool lane. Fantastic. By the way, the greatest thing about the character of Dr. Nick, uh, apart from everything on The Simpsons, is that he is in fact named after Dr. Nick, who is Elvis's personal physician, who had... Like, you would see these insane photos of Elvis going on tour, like, in the sort of latter days of his life. And there would just be, you know, there's, like, all, all these guys around Elvis who just had very, very specific jobs. And one was this Dr. Nick guy who had, I mean, these two, like, you're, like, the doctor's little black bag, like the Marcus Welby MD thing. But it was, like, full on, I mean, it was huge. I mean, they were, like, two Samsonite suitcases. And, I mean, just, like, every drug you could possibly imagine, just, like, storehouses of them. That he would follow Elvis around with. That's who Doctor uh, Doctor Nick is uh, is named. Did you get the flu shot? I never get a flu shot. I think that's All right. crazy. Did we you get either. Did you get the flu? No. See, that's what I'm talking about. And whatever I got wasn't the flu. I had like a throat thing going on. So, all right, here's uh, Byron Beck filling in for Tim Riley. Well, Jay Leno is staying at NBC, but in prime time, which literally I think is going to last about a week. Okay, so Jay Leno is uh, really upset that he is being told to leave and re replaced by Conan O'Brien, and I, I, I just should read this. Uh, Jay Leno is staying at NBC, uh, and he's moving to primetime. The network announced Tuesday that Leno will host a show five nights a week at 10 p.m. Eastern. This sounds so bad. After he leaves the Tonight Show next year. So the network has announced that Conan O'Brien would move to Tonight and succeed Leno. Uh this keeps Leno on the show and O'Brien happy, and it's going to be a big cost savings for NBC because basically all they have to do is pay for Leno. From te it's, it's 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 just like Tim Riley. I was I wasn't going to make that observation. I'm so glad you did. But it is what you're, what you're saying, Byron, is by is by streamlining 
things could be made more economically viable. Well, as Whippy Goldberg said on The View today, because I watch that now, mm-hmm. uh, Whippy Goldberg said it's almost The Tonight Show because it's, it's just so you can watch The Tonight Show at 10 o'clock and go to bed. Well, so I'm unclear about this. So the And you know what? It, it, here's the in Byron, actually, but, you know, we're going to have you. We're going to finish out this hour. we got some other stuff to do. Steve Kastenbaum's going to uh, join us here later on. We'll have you back around 1.30 or so to do some more news. And just for people who've tuned in, so obviously uh, after, uh, after yesterday's unpleasantness with Tim Riley, We've kind of gone forward really the only way that man sends to us, and we are going to have throughout this week and perhaps uh, longer a series of other laid-off media professionals. We're uh, better at this than I am. <laughs> no, you're, you know, you're fine, Byron. You're doing – we'll all hug afterward. Okay. Uh, we're going to have a series of other laid-off media folks filling in for the laid-off Tim Riley just because that is, I think, really the only way we can – really the only way we can kind of put one foot in front of the other news-wise and still sort of uh, be true to the situation and then kind of the way it is. But, you know, and before you go today, we should actually go through, like, a day in the life of the unemployed uh, Byron Beck, which I don't say to be sort of snarky, but just, uh, like, because you were pointing really? out that you... Well, no, would you... Really? Just so that you point, that you watch The View. And really? He, and I... Look, I, look, I will tell you this. When I was unemployed, and I know... And I'm not in any way saying, like, I, if only it had happened to all of us. I'm not saying that. But when you are unemployed, you do fall into a certain kind of specific rhythm that... You know, that can be kind of, uh, you know, kind of relaxing in a, in, a, you know, in a strange way that you don't really appreciate again until you get the new gig and they tell you, like, uh, yeah, we need you to report tomorrow. And then you kind of, you know, as I always say, uh, you know, and it sounds awkward to say it now, but I always say, when you, when you, you, man, when you get let go or you're unemployed, there is a certain kind of, there is a certain kind of relaxed schedule and structure that you'll kind of find yourself getting into. And then once you get the new gig and you realize it's all coming to an end, you do have this horrible thing of wishing you'd enjoyed it more, but the irony is you can't really enjoy it while you're unemployed. This sphincter closes back up. Sure. <laughs> uh, and that as well. And so a couple of things, though, before we, before we do that. So Jay Leno. So I, A, don't care about Jay Leno. B, I only yeah. care about it in as much as, like, it's affecting sort of, you know, the pop culture landscape of NBC. But I, A, I can't imagine that there's a lot of... Interest in keeping Jay Leno around because there was all that much audio. I mean, it seems like they would have they would have kept him in that slot to begin with. Well, he had high ratings, but they really see the. I mean, they're but it's old people though. It's all that's the thing about Leno. It's all like your grandparents. Yeah, because he's just they marketed him. The problem with Leno, I say, like with all of my late night television experience, the, the problem with Leno is that they when Carson retired, they marketed him as the new Carson. And I understand why they did that, because Carson was the king, he was the titan. I mean, he really is, uh, is, was, will forever be the gold standard for late-night talk television. But rather than marketing him as the next king of late-night, the next uh, gold standard, you know, the next guy who's going really going to lay the groundwork for how it's done, they just skipped the middleman and they, they marketed him directly to Carson's, like, actual audience, which is, like, 150 years old. Yeah. And, I mean, and that's been... Jesus, like 17 years ago. So, and then meanwhile, Letterman kind of, you know, moved to, to CBS and did his thing. And Conan kind of came in and swept up all of the college kids yeah. that were like the bread and butter. So, this is a way to keep. So, does that mean he's going to be on at 7 o'clock? No, he's here? going to be on at 10 o'clock. Well, no, no. No, that's funny. We're not going to get the live feed. No, he'll be on 10 o'clock tape delay, just like he is in L.A. That's so weird. Is he going to be on? Is he going to be in New York? No. Uh, you don't watch this. I have show, no. I am a Jay, Jay Leno is out of L.A. Yeah, I, right. But I mean, LA. but if he's going to be doing, but if it's going to be at ten o'clock Eastern time, 
Like, how are they going to no, do that? No, just, it'll just be like the Tonight Show, except they'll tape, you know, they tape the Tonight Show Oh, well, that's true. They five. tape that at, like, five. Five, right. yeah. See, this is how thick I am. So, And that's how little I care about Jay Leno. Yeah. So, it's going to be Jay Leno at 10, and he'll be from 10 to 11.30? No, he'll be from 10 to 11, because there's a thing called the news that comes on at 11. <laughs> Shut up! Don't make I mean, fun of this me. is easy TV. <laughs> TV Dude, for dummies. Can I tell you this? You're talking to a guy that my TV, my TV show is on at 6:30 Sunday morning. So Ooh. I'm really uh, the and I watch it. I'm I am knowledgeable about the about a very tiny and entirely different slice of the television spectrum. All right. Well, there you go. Well, there's some crap you probably don't care about. Uh, let's do like two more, and then we'll take a break. And we'll come back uh, with Richie Bristol. We'll talk to Steve Cast about more from uh, Byron Beck later today. We'll do like uh, two more here. Okay. So uh, I wasn't prepared for two more, so I'm going to just go right into it. Uh, a man killed in hugging. Oh God. Uh, you know what? Way to go out strong, Byron. Well done. <laughs> Let me talk about this. First of all, I'm not reading anything that has big words in it. I've decided that right now. <laughs> so. Uh, oh, it's like Tim's ghost to <laughs> I was just going to say, it's like things never change no, in some horrible way. Complain really, about the small really print. <laughs> and then brush away some things. So, like face. karaoke, I can usually say, but when I see it written on a piece of paper, it's just like, okay. So this man was killed for hogging karaoke. A Malaysian man has been stabbed to death for refusing to stop singing and hand over the microphone at a karaoke bar. I guess this is near Borneo. Uh, Abdul Sani Dali, 23, reportedly angered some of the customers when he hogged the stage of the bar in Sedekton town of in the eastern Borneo Island, which I don't think it's Borneo anymore. But a uh, witness says he was attacked and the fight spilled out on the street. He was punched before being stabbed to death with a knife. Oh, God. Um, I have a feeling he was singing something from Loverboy, but maybe not. Does it say, do they reveal the song? Because you can't not have the story and then uh, you can't have the story and then not reveal the song. This is the worst BBC story ever because they did not put in the song. It's like they didn't name the dog. They, you know, it, so what song would it would you be killed for? I mean, I can think of a few. But. Well, now we, now we just have to wonder. So let's do this. Let's take a break here. We're going to come back in the next time. We'll talk to Richie Bristol. We'll find out. Uh, we never did get to Sarah. It, I will say that uh, normally, even today, I was going to do like the show matrix that is like when, what we're doing when, uh, but I was on real behind today, and then we had all of this, uh, what do you call it, news to put together for uh, Byron. So we never did find out what Sarah did last night. So we come back, we'll find out what Sarah did last night, which I do believe involves drinking with other people from CBS. Talk to Steve Kastenbaum. Byron Beck rejoins us around 1.30 or so with some more news. Katie Darrell from TMZ. Don Taylor Moore, stay there. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Don't go anywhere. Back after this, friends and neighbors. Emerson Radio Program, home of the world's finest bumper music. It is Tuesday, December 9th, 2008. It's uh, 503-733-2970. All right, so you heard the Byron back there. Can I say that Byron was sort of charmingly nervous? Oh, I, I hurt him very much. I, at one point, I really thought he was going to be, like, sweating through his jacket. So, And I'm sorry for making a fat joke. It's yeah, that was not very nice. And he doesn't look very No, fat. no, he, he doesn't. And it, was bad. and it was like a dumb joke recycled from the roast anyway. So that's my fault. I was... 
Just, I was just feeling awkward and attempting to break the ice by making fun of I his appearance. I am insulting somebody who's trying to help us out. <laughs> Wait a minute. Well, it's what I do. Uh, all right, so here's uh, what we got coming up today. The way that we said this last hour, and we'll kind of say it going forward, at least for this week and perhaps beyond, because we do want to maintain a news presence on the show, but at the same time, no one, nobody's going to replace Tim Riley. Uh, you know, Tim is one of a kind. There is no. There is no replacing him either in the short term or in the long term or at all. So what we are going to be doing is, because because the crunch kind of hits everybody, including the media, we're going to have a different laid-off media person filling in for the laid-off Tim Riley uh, each day this week and perhaps longer. So today, Byron Beck, uh, I, later on uh, in the program, we'll announce who tomorrow is going to be. Uh, but every day... For the foreseeable future, a different laid-off Portland media person will be filling in for the laid-off Tim Riley. And by the way, I will say this right now. If you are, in fact, a laid-off Portland uh, media person, doesn't necessarily mean personality. It could be uh, in front of the camera, behind the camera, an editor. Producer, producer camera person. <laughs> writer, camera person, uh, radio producer, doesn't matter. Uh, if you were, until recently, employed in the Portland media in any uh, capacity, in whatever aspect, you send an email to Rick at... 970.am. Rick at 970.am. And, and by the way, I will ask at, at this point, uh, just, only, just use that email only for that. Uh, Rick at RickEmerson.com is still the best place to get a hold of me for just you know general show stuff. But if you are, in fact, somebody who has recently been laid off or fired or downsized, whatever you want to call it, by the Portland media, uh, whatever stripe of the media that might be, you get in touch. Uh, because we are going to have a different laid-off media type filling in for the uh, laid-off Tim Riley uh, every day for... Uh, for some time, I would think. Uh, Byron Beck, going to return to the bottom of the hour to do some more news. Steve Kastenbaum will be joining us here in just a few. Katie Darrell from TMZ.com. Don Taylor from Film.com. And uh, whatnot. It is 503-733-2970. You know, can I just tell you, Richie just typed on the screen the same name that occurred to you and I. So, oh, yeah. Which, I just don't know. I just... Because he put LOL after it. Uh-huh. Wow, I just don't know. I just don't know. I just don't know about that person. All right. Well, anyway, we'll figure it out. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. What's up? Hi, everybody. Hey, hello. You Hi. You're not only the smartest professionals, but you have good karma. That's a brilliant idea. The, uh, uh, the uh, well, I, well, I will accept the compliment. I, it, it's just, uh, you know, it, it does seem like, uh, I will say this, in some horrible way, it seems like it's just inevitable, right? I mean, because there's just so many people out there that don't have gigs right now. And then, thank goodness for you guys. Sarah, I owe you a really huge thank you. Oh, for what? I, oh, my goodness. I have had so much fun the last three days. I went out and got Labyrinth. Labyrinth uh, starring oh. David Bowie and uh, Jennifer Connelly. Yes. And I enjoyed it so much. I went back and I found the most marvelous movie. I thought I couldn't enjoy anything by Henson more than that. But there's this movie called Mirror Mask. Mirror Man? Mirror Mask. What is... I've never heard of Please that. to explain what is Lisa Mirror Mask. Henson, Jim Henson's daughter got together with Neil Gaiman and and made another Jim Henson movie. It's a little darker than Labyrinth. Neil Gaiman is a guy who did a comic called Sandman for a okay. while. He's very well respected in the comic world. Sarah, if you have not seen this movie... Sarah, if you liked Labyrinth, you'll love Mirror Mask. It's a little darker, but it's so wonderful. All right. Okay, so it's Mirror Man. Mirror Mask. Mirror Mask. Mask, M-A-S-K. 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 Like uh, Eric Stoltz. <laughs> Mask. But his daughter, Lisa, produced it. All right. Awesome. Well, thanks for the recommendation. And what well, is your name? Thank you. Dita. All right, Dita, thank you so much. You can call us anytime, sister. Thank you. Good luck, guys. Thank, thank you. you. All right, there you go. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program, sir, madam, as the case may be. Hello, hi, howdy. 
Uh, hey, Rick. Hey, Sarah. Hey. I got the Left for Dead game, and... I'm sorry, I had a mouthful of Vizo just now. Left for Dead, the first-person zombie apocalypse shooting game for the Xbox 360. It is epic. I haven't been able to let it go, let it down since about uh, Sunday night. It's fantastic, and I have to tell you that uh, I was at uh, Target two nights ago. I actually never even told that story. That my wife made me. Did I tell that my alarm made me go buy holiday mugs? That she flat out forced me to do yeah, it. Did I yeah. tell that? Anyway, she's like, "Get out of the house. You're brooding." And I'm like, "But baby, it's all so bad." <laughs> Tim, and she's like, "I know. Get, you're gonna go buy some holiday mugs. Shut up." So my wife forced me to go to um to Target, which is the fine store, where I bought, I did in fact buy four new holiday mugs with a uh, silver snowflake pattern. But while we were there, I said, I said, well, let's just walk through the Xbox section, sweetie. And she's like, are you going to buy the zombie game? And I said, I don't know. I just got to look. I just wanted to see how much it was going for. And, you know, it's, uh, I got to say, fifty nine ninety nine. That's that's If you figure that you're going to blow like 10 bucks on a movie ticket uh, for a movie that's two hours long, I mean, that game is like dozens and dozens, if not hundreds, of hours of entertainment for 60 bucks. so uh, I think I might just uh, ask for that for Christmas. Probably the only reason that I did not already purchase Left for Dead for my 360 is that this past weekend, uh, you know, we all had the big talk on Sunday about Tim, and I knew that there was all kinds of stuff I had to get done, and I knew that the temptation to just lose myself in the escapist world of uh, of zombie killing was probably going to be overwhelming, so I didn't buy it. But you're are you playing uh, the campaign or the online? Uh, I still don't have Xbox Live yet. I mean, I did have it, and I haven't renewed it, so I'm still playing single player. I got to tell you this: the single player is good. Don't get me wrong. And it, and I actually had to be convinced to do the online for Left 4 Dead because typically. Typically, online first-person shooting games, it is kind of leaving me cold because it's always some jackass, you know, and the games are matched really poorly. So it's either you against, like, a nine-year-old, so you feel like a jerk, or it's you against, like, a brainiac nine-year-old who schools you, and then you got to go kill yourself. Left for Dead has really great online matchmaking in terms of the game. So the campaign is wonderful, but Seamus, our listener, Seamus, I'm like, dude, he's like, you must play Left for Dead online. And I went online... It is the best multiplayer game I have ever experienced. It is unbelievable. So when you get Xbox Live at some point, you will you will never turn back, sir. It's it is it's it's a, a an absolutely astounding game experience. It's a whole new level of a uh, video game. It really it is. It's it's no that Left for Dead game. I said the other day that it's like that is like as to guys as those Twilight books are to chicks, where. You know, they're pulpy and, you know, not very deep, but goddamn, they're just addictive and you can't stop once you start. Uh, final question before we go here, sir. Which character do you play? Uh, I like to play as Bill. Okay, see, now, can I tell you that, look, do you ever, do you ever when you play a video game like that where you have your choice of characters, do you ever find yourself uh, playing the chick for some reason, but then you have to justify it to people that, like, she's got skills? Sometimes I do I do do that. It's like you know, you want to play as a chick just to diversify, but then like, why are you playing as a girl? See, that's my thing. My wife's like, why are you? Why is your character have boobs? I'm like, baby, it's a long story. She's got none of. She's got great marksmanship, and she's like, uh huh. Clearly not believing me, and then she left. So, all right, my friend, uh, enjoy the game. Thank you for calling, sir. Best show ever. Thank you, sir. All right, there you go. Uh, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from New York City. CNN Radio correspondent and man about town, Steve Kastenbaum. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm fantastic. You don't play video games, do you? No, you know, I used to when they first came out, and I never uh, evolved with the games as the games evolved. When so. they first came when they first came out, meaning what? What was the uh, the first video game to capture your fancy was? Uh, I, the original Atari and Space Invaders and Missile Command and Asteroids, and then Commodore 64 was out around then. Uh, those are the games I played, and then I just lost interest in video games. The, uh, so you're playing like the Atari 2600. 
Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. really early yeah. on with those joysticks that always used to break. Dude, and so well, and they would break, and then eventually you would just take that black cover off, and you would just be using that the little white hollow like straw stick thing. So exactly. All right. Well, uh, it is probably uh, it is probably for the best that you stayed away because the video games, as as entrancing as they were then, because it was a brand new phenomenon. They are really. Uh, I think they must have some dudes in a lab somewhere that have guys strapped into a chair, like Clockwork Orange style, with sort of tabs and electrodes all over them, trying to figure out exactly how to make the games as addictive as possible. Because, frankly, you can go sun up to sundown and it really never even get up off the sofa. I mean, it's just become unholy. I see it in my cousins. They they never leave their basement. They're pale as ghosts because they they don't get sunlight. You know, <laughs> they don't they don't get out in the sunlight. You know, it, it's kind of like uh, the New York Times crossword puzzle during the Cold War. Mm-hmm. They used to uh, there was a conspiracy theory out there that the New York Times crossword puzzle was the product of uh, Soviet agents trying to keep America's brightest minds occupied and doing non-productive things. So it was sort of like the uh, it was the bright, shiny, diversionary object for the intellectual class? Exactly. You know, here's a funny thing about uh, just what, speaking of conspiracy theories, and then we'll move on to uh, actual news and so forth. Two things. One, so you have this theory that, uh, you know, this conspiracy theory back then that the New York Times crossword puzzle was a Soviet plot uh, to uh, entrance our best and brightest. The Soviets themselves had a conspiracy theory about the Beatles. The Soviets believed, and this is absolutely true, uh, the Kremlin believed that the Beatles were created, not in a lab, but I mean, the, the, the Beatles basically were a fake group. In other words, that they were like one of those prefabricated pop groups, and that there really was a whole consortium of scientists and songwriters who got together to create the Beatles to corrupt the morals of youth around the world. And they said, well, you know, look, the, the Beatles clearly have been fabricated, uh, you know, by imperialists as a mechanism and a conduit to give evil, corrupting ideas to the world and to Soviet youth so that we will fall into moral decay. And this is actually kind of great when you think about it, because their reasoning was, and I've always wanted to ask Paul McCartney if he heard this rumor and what he thought about it, the Kremlin's reasoning for believing that the Beatles were in fact fabricated by scientists and musicians was that their music was so unbelievably complex and good that four uh, like guys from working class Liverpool never could have done it themselves. That they, it had to have been written by a team of composers because there's no way that just some dudes from a shipyard town ever could have done it. You know, that's an interesting theory, because if you listen to their first album and you listen to their early tracks, you know, when they were just playing in the cave... And then you, you, it's a, it's only a short period of time uh, that they went from the very basic fundamentals of rock and roll and sounding really raw to sounding like Sgt. Pepper's. Totally. I mean, it, the growth was exponential. I mean, just beyond exponential. It was, uh, you know, it, was, it really was just so massive that it almost can't be charted. So, yeah, it, you're right. All right. Uh, I don't even know. See, I know that they added something to your prep sheet at the last moment. And I've actually kind of spaced on what it was. It was Kennedy and something else. Sarah, oh, uh, the cops being charged for uh, sodomy, I believe. Yeah, that was it. Uh, maybe I blocked it out. Maybe the word sodomy is like a spam filter thing in my head where it just goes into the deleted file. Um, 
we can go right from the 60s to the Kennedy story. That sort of, you know, makes a little <laughs> Let's sense. skip the sodomy for now, Steve, and go to the Kennedys. Okay. Uh, and there's a joke there that I'm not going to make. Um, all right, so uh, where are we at in this? Because it's a lot of speculation about Hillary Clinton. And first they said Bill Clinton, but you and I talked about how that was not really anything that anybody was talking about except for people in the media who desperately wanted it to be true so they'd have a story. Exactly. But now they're saying that it's Carolyn Kennedy. Yeah, and this time there's a lot, uh, there's a lot more uh, factual evidence that this is a possibility here. Uh, Carolyn Kennedy... Uh, the daughter of JFK could potentially take New York's uh, junior senator seat, replace Hillary Clinton, a seat that was once occupied by her uncle RFK, who also uh, died at the hands of a, uh, an assassin. Oh. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I was just going to say, the, the, really, the great thing about this, I don't even care if it's true. I don't even care if it, you know, if it happens, it happens. It's just one more thing that my mother-in-law can see flash across the bottom in the crawl and Fox News uh, that will drive her blood pressure ever higher. I mean, just the speculation. I mean, really, you, know, you can't get Bill Clinton in there. Just the idea that there's going to be somebody with the last name of Kennedy attached to the seat that used to belong to somebody with the last name of Clinton is just, uh, is just fantastic beyond my ability to describe it, sir. Yeah, well, Governor Patterson was uh, questioned about this extensively, and he said the speculation on the speculation, I think, is getting a little bit out of hand. And basically he was saying that uh, he hasn't even sat down with the potential candidates for one-on-one -on -one interviews yet, so we're getting way ahead of the game. With that said, there's a lot of people out there lobbying for her to take this job. Uh, and it's really interesting because up until recently, Caroline Kennedy was an intensely private person. Uh, you know, she was uh, a fixture, and still is, in the New York socialite scene, but she likes to do things behind the scenes, you know, a big fundraiser right. for many causes. And then a couple of years ago, Mayor Bloomberg tapped, uh, tapped her skills and said, you know, we want you to come to work for us, and gave her a position in the Department of Education here where she basically, she headed up this office called the Office of Strategic Partnerships where basically she got all of the big corporations to, to pitch in and adopt schools and donate money to programs in the, in the school system. And with that began her, her um, career in the public eye. And then we all saw her you know, during the campaign, the presidential campaign, campaign out there campaigning for Barack Obama. So it's, it's a strong possibility. Here's the thing about this. You were just talking about the – sorry to interrupt, but you were just talking about the uh, – about prohibition – uh, which was, uh, whatever, the prohibition on Friday, I guess we were talking about the 75th anniversary of, you know, the repeal or something. Right. Here's the thing you ought to do, just a little sidebar to that. Hold on, let me get my pen. All Hold right. on. All right. Okay. Uh, I, I, as, because I always propose these, and then everybody kind of goes, that's a great idea, Rick, and then I know that, like, as soon as, like, it just falls out of your head as soon as the call is done. You really ought to do this. Everybody talks about uh, Al Capone and gangsters and the, uh, you know, the, the Cosa Nostra and all of that. You should go back and look at sort of legitimate families or businesses or companies or dynasties, whatever you want to call them, that really would not exist had it not been for prohibition. Uh, because I think it is, uh, you know, it's very much, an, I mean, it's an open secret at this point that the Kennedy family money all originally came from Joe Kennedy being a bootlegger. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, really, it's interesting to note that had it not been for what must be described by even the most charitable of Kennedy lovers as a criminal conspiracy... There would, in fact, probably be no Kennedy dynasty here in America. You're right. You're you're absolutely right. He I'm made just... most of his money during Prohibition. Well, not I shouldn't say most of his money. Uh, the patriarch of the Kennedy family got his start. Right. Uh, yeah, during Prohibition. And also, he was evil.
You know, just just so you <laughs> okay. Know. I mean, like in case you had any sort of doubt about that. I All right, know. are you on tomorrow, sir? Uh, yeah, and we can we can pick up the sodomy story to, uh, tomorrow. Well, know. there's always room for sodomy, Steve. Yeah, a crazy story. Police involved in an attack of a man. Give you a little tease there, you know, and it took place uh, at a subway station. So we'll we'll pick that up tomorrow. Well, that's great. I feel like I need to go sponge myself just hearing that. Thanks so much, Steve. We will talk You're to you welcome. tomorrow, sir. All okay. Right, there you go. Steve Kastenbaum, ladies and gentlemen. That's wonderful. Well, let's do a couple more here. We'll take a break. Uh, we'll come back. We've got uh, another news segment from Byron Beck, who will be joining us. Uh, we will talk to Sarah about your events last night. And we also need to bring in Richie too. Uh, that's right, Katie Darrell. How is it that we? How is it that we actually now? Uh, too much stuff. Even even uh, in the absence of Tim, we still have uh, too many things to get to. Katie Darrell, we'll talk to Don Taylor and all that. Uh, hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. What up? Hey, how you doing, man? I have uh, I've had weeks that were more pleasant, but what are you gonna do? All right. Well, first off, let me tell you, the show's still good, and you got ever you got all your fan support. Thank you, sir. All right. And secondly, I want to tell you, since you're so big on you know Left for Dead, by the way, awesome game. <laughs> I wanted to tell you about this other totally awesome zombie game on Xbox 360. Have you heard of a game called Dead Rising? No, but I like what I've heard so far. And by that I mean the words dead and rising. Okay, Dead Rising is essentially Dawn of the Dead, the video game. So much so that there is even a disclaimer on the bottom of the box saying this has nothing to do with George Romero's Dawn of the Dead. Which, of course, is always code for this has everything to do with George Romero's Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, George Romero actually tried to sue these people, and the case got thrown out of court. Excellent. You are you are a guy in a shopping mall. There are thousands of zombies. You use everything around you to kill as many zombies as you can within 72 hours. That is fantastic. And so yeah. is it, but it's like a fully sort of playable environment. In other words, if I see like a lamp in a store or whatever, I can pick it up yeah, and swing no. it. In fact, you'll you'll go through the game. You'll remember. Okay, there's where the knife shop is, so I can get katanas. There's where the hardware store is, so I can get dual wielding chainsaws. That's and it's fantastic. got this it's got this crazy weird story that involves hornets that turn people into zombies that they originally tried to genetically mutate so they could quickly breed cows to fill fill America's beef problem. Wow. It's uh, bizarre. I will say this actually, uh so I was playing uh Left for Dead and uh, you know, I've gone on and on about the game, but basically, you know, there's four different scenarios, but they're all structured as horror movies. So the great thing about it is, you're controlling the character. Obviously, I mean, it's still a you know first-person shooter video game, but it is framed as a zombie horror film, which means there's a score, there's you know visual cues, and things that would be cheesy otherwise are really just dramatic and terrifying because again, it's like you're playing your way through a movie. And one of the scenarios is that you got to fight your way through the countryside and then to a cabin in the woods, sort of a la Evil Dead, and then you got to hold off the zombies for ten minutes as they besiege the cabin, you and the three other players, while waiting for a rescue uh, to arrive. And I have to tell you, there have been so many moments in that cabin sequence of the game where I am, and at one point, like all of us, sounds so weird. All of us were in the bathroom together. We all backed into the bathroom of the cabin because there's only one door that you have to guard. And zombies are just, like, filling the doorway, like, 50 deep. And at that moment, I was thinking to myself, God damn, I could use a chainsaw. But there is no chainsaw. Yeah, so. there is. The thing about Dead Rising compared to Left 4 Dead is Dead Rising is very tongue-in-cheek. It's a Japanese game, so it's got this awkward Japanese designers trying to make something American-style but still very oddly right. Japanese. Right, right. 
And not only that, the game is two years old now, so you can get it for 20 bucks. Oh. So if you wanted some zombie madness to fill in your Left for Dead craze before your wife gets it for Christmas, pick up Dead Rising. It's, dig it. it's as though you opened my skull and looked inside my brain, sir. You'll, you'll dig it, dude, I swear. All right. You'll dig it. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. All right, there you go. One more, and then we'll take a break here. Hello, Sarah. How are you? <laughs> oh, just... You know, some things never change. Dudes, zombies, guns, chainsaws, Video boobs. games, yeah. Uh, hello. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program, sir or madam, as the case may be. Hello. Hello. I have the Dark Knight in my hand. Dude, that's right. Today's Tuesday. Awesome. I, see, I keep thinking it's got to be... Yesterday was just so long and excruciating, and, you know, and I know it's all relative. We've still got jobs, whatever. But, I mean, yesterday, at the end of yesterday... Not to just to jump back into the unpleasantness, but the end of yesterday, Sarah, did you feel like, did you at some point turn around and go, God damn, it's only Monday? No, I couldn't, I can't believe it doesn't feel like Tuesday. It feels like it should be Thursday. I mean, just, I, I was, I walked into the, uh, you know, the area where Court and Fatboy, uh, you know, we're, we're prepping and, uh, you know, and they're, 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 you know, we should say for the record, they're still here. Um, you know, they made it through yesterday unscathed, but Jesus, I was just like, can you, and they were like, how was your day? And I was like, crap, how was your day? Crap. You know, it's just like whatever. You know, we, you know, we were just, you know, acknowledging what a stressful day it was. And I said, and unbelievably, it's only Monday. So, um, all right. You guys uh, are doing great, though. All right, but uh, so Dark Knight came out today. Yes, today, and uh, they had a uh, collector's edition where you could actually get a Harvey Dent uh, replica coin. That's pretty cool. Now, but don't you, now is there much, what's on it in terms of features? Because I sort of assumed that the, you know what it is, buying the first copy of The Dark Knight or whatever, a movie like that when it comes out on DVD, is like buying the first product, you know, the first version of anything right. from Microsoft, that you know they're going to come out with a better one like six months well, that's later. that's how it was with uh, Batman Begins, when the first round came out, that was just a movie. Totally. But I think they give you the, they give you the option of getting the special features or that. So they're not gonna. So they're not gonna screw me, but like by putting out like the ultimate feature version or something in like 90 days. No, well, they may have something else they're gonna put out, but they have special feature discs now with specific. All right. All right. The one I have has it. I am all over that. Excellent. Thank you for the reminder, sir. I kind of spaced on that. No problem. Have a great day. Thank you, sir. I have my copy of The Dark Knight that I got um, legally, of course, from a bootlegger in Coney Island for five bucks. You realize that you just said. Legally, of course, from a bootlegger no, for five but, bucks. But didn't work. I don't even know what you're trying. <laughs> I don't know what I'm trying, I'm to, trying to help out, but I don't but, even know where to where to go. I don't know what you're talking about. Anyway, what? Look over there. What? Yeah. Okay. Let's take a break, shall we? CBS Radio respects copyright law and intellectual property. Eh? Uh, okay. Uh, when we return, we'll do a final segment with Byron Beck, uh, and we will answer the magical question: What does Byron Beck's unemployment schedule look like? Later on, Katie Darrell from TMZ.com, Don Taylor from Film.com will be here, and we'll talk about comfort movies, chicken soup for the movie-going soul. Uh, we will talk to Richie Bristol about an aesthetic issue, and, uh, and we will, without fail, discuss what we both did last night, uh, because it'll be amusing on some level, I think. Stay there. Back after this. The Rick Emerson Show continues next. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. 
Well, at least we're on day two of the doorknob working. So, by the way, I should say that everybody uh, in the building thought we were joking yesterday when I said that we had to use a plastic coat hanger to open the door to the studio. I had some no, li- quite literally. <laughs> hey, that part when you were saying that you had to use the plastic coat hanger open the door, that was hilarious. Where do you guys come up with that material? It's all from life, sir. It's from life. The material uh, of life. It's coming up uh, later on in the program. Dawn Taylor from Film.com is going to join us. Uh, she'll talk about the day the Earth stood still with Keanu Reeves. Uh, DVD releases, and she will uh, bring a list of comfort films that one might watch to have uh, to have a filmic solve on the emotional wounds of life. Uh, we will talk to Katie Darrell from TMZ.com, uh, Richie Bristol. Uh, and we got to talk to Richie today because he's got, like, I guess stuff that, and I don't really know the details, but I know he's got things he's got to figure out. a problem out. that we need to help him with sooner than later. Really? Uh-huh. One. It's hard to believe. Yeah. Um, because his drag show is coming up uh, this Saturday. And, uh, Simon, so are forth. you going to come? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. No, awesome. it's, uh, where is, here's a dumb question. Where's North Bank at? Well, you know, Vancouver. It's on the other side of the river. Oh, I see. I didn't even know. I and I, I just I apologize. Really, really? I didn't really know. So it's not in this state. Is it now? Is it a, out of state? Think of it as out of town tryouts. Okay. Is it? A, but I mean, is it a gay club? A drag bar? Yeah, I don't really know anything about it. It's the only gay club in I think all of uh, Southern Washington. So they've cornered the uh, the market though, really. Yes. I and mean, it's, it's fun. It's it's it, think of it more like a tavern. Oh, I have. Byron, I don't care. I was just asking because I don't know much about it. So I don't spend a lot of time in Vancouver. Just don't go in the bathroom. And now, from the CBS Radio Center in downtown Portland, this is the news. Life advice from Byron Beck. Uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, all this week and probably through next week, uh, we are going to be uh, moving on in a, a manner that seems uh, both appropriate and, sadly enough, pretty easy to execute. Uh, we are going to be having laid-off media people from all around Portland filling in for the laid-off Tim Riley, so recently laid off from the Willamette Week, Byron Beck. Yes, and Tim makes this look so easy. I mean, the way he speaks that Tim Riley voice, and that's really his voice and scares me. But, you know, he makes this look easy, so I'm going to make it look hard. So I, <laughs> Here's the thing. I, uh, you know, and again, you're, you know, you're doing a fine job. You really, uh, Thank you, you really are. No, uh, we're, so, we're so happy that you wanted to come on. But I will tell so you that, what I am. and this is really more, you know, this is not just him. This is a lot of people who work in broadcasting, especially on well, here's the thing. I'm, not to make this all about me, but you know, I, I guess it I can talk. I, this is the Rick Emerson. No, show. no, 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 no. But I'm saying <laughs> it's not like everything has to relate to. No, no, no. But let me tell you how it is for me and my struggle. Um, but you know, I've been doing Outlook Portland uh, on the CW, and uh, that is, you know, I mean, really, that's 24 minutes. If it is four hours, that's 24 minutes sitting there, and I get to 24 minutes as opposed to four hours. So that's that's what 240 minutes. I get to. Stop if I make a really bad mistake and do it again. Yep. Uh, you know, I get to have things written down and all of that. But you know what? It still is. Uh, it's hard to make it look easy. I'll put it that way. So you get hair and makeup too. Yes, yes, I do. Because as they told me, they they try to be so polite about it. They don't just say like, "What did they tell me this morning?" This is uh, this is like when the guy, the producer, lied and he goes, "No, no, no, you have a." Uh, you have fine, delicate features, which is a way of saying that I have a nose that you could open letters with. Um, but this morning, the woman's doing my makeup, and it should be noted that, like, there's, like, three people who are going to be on the show and me. So there's four of us total. I'm the only one that got makeup. Oh, Not because goodness. I'm special, because I'm the one who needed it. And she goes, uh, Rick, why don't you sit in the chair? We're going to do some makeup. And I said, well, but what about them? And they go, oh, they're good. But you, um, you know, you do have... Um, you have really porcelain skin, you know, and so we're going to, and I know that that means you can, you, like, you can see, uh, like, my organs, you know, so. And uh, I have. 
He's Byron back, ladies and gentlemen, with the news. Today, okay, so it's good news, bad news, and I'm going to start off with a geek watch. I guess that's a sound cue. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here is your geek watch for Tuesday. Rick Emerson broke up. This high-speed modem is intolerably slow. In the Quasar dilemma, remember, you used to... Just a television show. That's all, okay? <laughs> right, but because we were wondering if the quantum flux... Now just listen, on there, there is no quantum flux. There's no auxiliary. There's no goddamn ship. You got it? Better does. Here is Byron Beck with today's Geek Watch. Happy birthday to the personal computer. Forty years ago today, Dougie Engelbart, of course he was named Engelbart, of the Stanford Research Institute unveiled the device with a screen and a mouse to a crowd of about 1,000 people in San Francisco. It had a primitives Windows system, hyperlinks from one document to another, and allowed the user to edit text and add graphics on a video monitor. So today they're marking the anniversary with a uh, presentation of the historic event with an I- I- appearance by Engelbart and some other computer games. Wait, so this is, so 40 years ago, so that's, uh, my brain isn't working, 1968-ish. Yeah. And so did they, wait, now, maybe you said this time yesterday, they say the company, or was it just like some guy? It was some guy. Dougie Engelbart of the Stanford Dougie. Research. Dougie Engelbart. Dougie Engelbart. The best part is when you're named Dougie Engelbart, of course you're going to create the personal computer because you're not going to be dating. Right. Seriously, right. what are you going to be doing? Try out for the football team, Dougie Engelbart. Um, now, see, that kind of flies in the face. See, some geek will uh, will call or email and, and clarify this point. That kind of flies in the face of what I thought was true because I was to understand. Now I'm going to be voice number three. I was to understand that the, that the Xerox Palo Alto Research Center uh, created um, uh, created WYSIWYG printing and laser uh, oh. printers in the mouse and the graphical user interface as opposed to text commands. Now, oh. I thought I thought that that was all created at Xerox Park, but that would have been like in but that would have been like in '78 or something. Maybe I've been lied to by, uh, maybe Robert X. Cringely has lied to me low these many years. You are such a geek. Yes, I am. Is that the extent of the Geek Watch? Or yes, that's, like no, okay, now we're going to Job Watch. Right, so you. let's end that. There's your Geek Watch for Tuesday on the Rick Emerson Radio Lord Program. Hammer, by the Sons of Warband, I shall avenge you. Next. Oh, loneliness and cheeseburgers are a dangerous mix. Byron back, ladies and gentlemen. Well, let's just say that uh, Tim Riley and myself aren't alone. Uh, Sony is, this, is are, we, are we starting a job watch? Job watch. Oh, oh, sorry. Sorry. Buddy, can you spare the... It was important to me that we do that because we haven't really used that. Buddy, can you spare a dime for a long time? Because the job watch, back when times were good... The job watch was something altogether different. It was this, uh, I think it was this They Might Be Giants song called Minimum, called, what is it called? Minimum Wage? Is this? Minimum Wage! But that's back when, like, you were able to get, you know, even a minimum wage job. Uh, And so this other thing is something we originally started using for Richard Nunn. When Richard Nunn was let go here at the WB before he moved to Florida. So, all right, ladies and gentlemen, here's Byron Beck. Okay, so Tim Riley and myself are not the only people that lost jobs. Uh, Sony's cutting 8,000 jobs. 8,000 jobs. 4% of their workforce is getting slashed. Uh, the job cuts are the most drastic here since the U.S. credit crunch hit over the summer. They are a bad twist for Sony, which has been recovering from internal problems in recent years under the cost-cutting reforms led by chief executive Howard Stringer, who used to be, I guess, on 60 Minutes. Um, this may uh, mean that Sony is now back at square one, says someone with a really hard name to pronounce, but I'll just say Mira. That really was like Tim was just here for just, just, just that little moment there when you said someone with a really hard name to pronounce. 
I think maybe that chair has magical powers and it puts phrases in people's heads. <laughs> so is that in a, is that in America or is that everywhere? The Japanese companies are all in trouble because of the unexpected worldwide slowdown. So right. we're talking about Japan. Uh, I think Japan is in as bad a shape, if not worse shape, than us, and I think it will continue to get a lot worse in January for the Japanese. Yeah, but they got but they got that thing where you can buy it's like a square hard boiled egg in a packet at the supermarket. So they got that going on. But and ramen, which it smells like in here. It, everywhere I go in this building, it smells like ramen. Uh, I will tell you this. It may <laughs> That's smell. Our diet's mostly consistent. I was going to say, welcome to uh, welcome for the new uh, the new economy. What scares me about this show is how skinny both of you are, and that you eat constantly. I ate like a bastard last night. I'm not even li- and I'm and I don't mean to do that like Superman. Oh, I don't know. I just eat all the time, and I never diet. Uh, I mean, I have been dieting, not the last few days. Last few days, I have just shoved gruel in. You know what I ate last night? You know those munchies? And I don't mean like a generic munchies, like that actual snack munchies. Yes, the mix. You know that, Sarah, right? I don't think so. (gasps) It's made for potheads, right? The devil you... <laughs> well, or or for the chronically depressed. Um, the I can't believe that that you've never seen those. Munchies. Oh, dude, they're the best thing ever. I keep saying munchies, and I keep picturing uh, funyuns in my head. No, 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 no. No, munchies are genius. It's um, munchies. It's sort of like one of those games where it's like Mortal Kombat meets Batman. So it's like you know the Mortal Kombat guys battle out like the DC superheroes or something. Munchies is this bag of snack food from I think Frito Lay. Yeah. But the deal is. It's a mix of four miniaturized versions of other standalone snack foods. So it is one big bag in which there's a quarter of it, and it's all mixed together. But, like, a quarter of it is, like, Doritos. A quarter of it is pretzels. A quarter of it is Cheetos. A quarter of it is, like, Fritos. And then they dump it into a bag and they mix it up. Like the love boat of food. It's, and then, but, then, but then on top of it, sometimes they'll flavor it, like sour cream and onion munchies. So it is, in fact, Doritos, pretzels, Cheetos, and Fritos, all of them then flavored like sour cream, and then all of them put together in a bag. So I sat last night. And I watched Anderson Cooper and marveled at it. Like, like, you look like Anderson Cooper. Nah, see, I, don't, I think Tim uh, looks like Anderson Tim looks like no, Anderson No, 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 no. Uh, off subject. Well, in any event, uh, look at you suddenly turning pro. I remember like an hour ago when you were all nervous. Now you're like keeping us on track. Go back to the Anderson Cooper eating munchies. Were you, were you know, the producer's <laughs> job is filled, uh, Byron. I'm sorry. There's, you know. Were you dressed during this part? Uh, I was just wearing well, whatever. I but remember I, we put a cap on your naked okay, comments. Okay, okay. Uh, no, I just had like a t-shirt on or whatever. But I sat there on the couch and I watched Anderson Cooper and I swear to God, I ate an entire huge bag of those. And it's not like a little mini bag. I mean, I'm talking about the full like quarter pound. And you have no weight on you. Well, but that was last night. I mean, it doesn't appear overnight. It does. It actually appears overnight. Well, I mean, on some of us, Byron. I mean, I'm just, I, I don't know. I mean, everybody's body Another is different. Another It wasn't it's a you. It's all about the fat I wasn't directing at you. I lost 10 pounds, my friend. I am going back to the gym I'm right just now. Say- that wasn't the, I am just, you cut me to the quick, sir. I was just saying, as Sarah and I often note, this is what Sarah and I, because Sarah and I. Don't I wrote me into this, mister. No, no, listen. Everybody knows Sarah and I are basically teenage girls. Uh, and then we sit and we bond over like, I don't know, how many calories did you have today? And whatever. <laughs> All right, can we split a cookie? But we, but cookie. totally, but, but you know, and, but we, and well, Tim is the same way. Tim, I allow myself one packet of Ruger's sugar wafers every week. That is my treat. But, Scary. but, but Sarah and I. We'll have these little, like, uh, sort of encouraging phrases that we'll use to each other, such as, well, look, you know, it takes time to gain weight, it takes time to lose weight, which is like, you know, it, what we do whenever one That's of us is feeling like... everything in moderation. Seriously, it's like, a, I don't know, I'm so fat. Well, you know, Sarah. So, I'm just saying. Well, uh, I was giving her a back rub during the segment, and it, she is so skinny. You were giving who a back rub? Me. When? When you were out of the room. Oh, whatever. Well, thank right. you, Byron. Uh, okay, well, let's do this. We'll end the job watch. We'll uh, come back and spend a few more minutes uh, with Byron Beck and so forth. There was your job watch. Can you spare a 
It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. And I actually have to say, uh, I will sort of, uh, I will apologize in advance that I actually uh, don't have any theme music for her because I think, you know, things sort of came together quickly and I haven't really had a chance to assemble it. And blah, blah, blah. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from TMZ.com, uh, our brand new best friend, Katie Darrell. Hello, Katie. BFFs forever and ever. Wow. Um, yes, that indeed. Do you watch Gossip Girl? I don't, but obviously we, we always report on those kids. They're always up to something. See, here's the thing, because uh, I'm trying to be more relatable with the other people on the show, and so I don't really watch it, but what I've, what I've done is my wife now types up Gossip Girl notes for me, and then I bring them in so that I can sort of pretend like I'm following <laughs> along. But the problem is, on today's show, just by happenstance, nobody else watched it, so my notes are all just going to waste. What are you going to do? Oh, man. Well, all right. I'm sorry that I can't even play along. I mean, if you want me, if you want to really sound smart, I'll really play up the dumb card and we can go at it. <laughs> sort of, really just sort of to make me, to give me a kind of relative aesthetic intelligence. Yeah, exactly. Like this a, will really give you a boost. All right. Well, this will be a good week for that. Uh, let's. Hey, is it, and I, I kind of saw this glancingly earlier, and I didn't get a chance to follow through on this. Is it possible that you were reporting on Bob Eubanks? Yeah, we were. <laughs> I know, right? So for those of you who don't remember who Bob Eubanks is, because, I mean, there are some youngins out there, believe it or not, he, uh, you know, used to hold the, uh, host the, like, newlyweds game, right? right? So he would ask the, like, what's the craziest place you've made whooping? Right. And, you know, get people to answer those questions. Well, we caught him at LAX Airport, where we catch a lot of celebrities, actually. I mean, like, LAX is a gold mine for celebrities. I mean, we get them coming and going all the time. They always are usually looking really bad and not really wanting to have us there photographing them. And that's kind of what happened with Bob Eubanks. Is he was not happy to see TMZ. He was holding a bag up in front of his face, kept telling us to get lost, but, you know, as usual, we didn't. Uh, <laughs> but he uh, just gave us, I mean, literally the best death stare we've had in a very long time. Right. If you watch the video at TMZ.com. It's spectacular. I mean, I, I almost feel like, you know, very dirty and evil the way he looks at I'm going to have to actually go see. I'm going to have to go look at him. Because here's the thing about Bob Eubanks. Don't get me wrong. Uh, you know, I grew up as, a, you know, the newlywed game and all of that. And I, he's a pop culture icon. And I know right now, actually, if I can get this correctly, I think Bob Eubanks, uh, Chuck Woolery, and Mash's Jamie Farr are, as of now, I think still in Vegas doing this weird, like, three-person audience participation game show thing right now. And I got to tell you, you look at Bob Eubanks, I mean, he really, he looks, the, the, the fake tan on that guy, he looks like a carrot. Oh, he's so orange. It's great. I mean, it really is fantastic and terrifying. But he, I just, and I'm not saying that I know this to be the case, but you, you look at Bob Eubanks, and I get this whole thing that as much as people say that television is sort of, you know, that it lies to people and it's deceptive, I I think that the camera really does tell the truth. You can look at a guy and get a pretty good sense on television, like whether he's, you know, what kind of person he is. Bob Eubanks just seems like a guy who, when you weren't looking, uh, you know, would do something awful to you. You know, it just seems like a bad person. I mean, I, I, I don't want to agree with you, but I think I'm going to have to. But you know in your heart that it's true, don't you? He, I mean, after this death there, yeah, you're like, wow, man, play it cool. Keep it on the down low, man. <laughs> So uh, I'm going to agree with you. After this look, I, I'm, I'm going to put him in the uh, not nice category. By the way, I don't think anybody's ever used the phrase "keep it on the down low" in reference to Bob Eubanks before. That's just a guess. Uh, what else? He's uh, getting jiggy with it later too. What? What else? Wow. What else? Uh, what other stories do you find fascinating uh, from TMZ.com, Katie? Well, I, I, have you kept up with the 
Paula Abdul drama of the last couple of weeks, apparently she had this stalker that she has had for the last 17 years, and the stalker committed suicide via overdose in front of Abdul's house just a couple of weeks ago. Right. Well, Paula Abdul uh, went on to Barbara Walters' Sirius Satellite radio show and has revealed more information about this stalker, one of the details being that this lady uh, had been stalking her for 17 years, that the lady had appeared on an episode of American Idol as one of the crazy fanatic, you know, I sing really bad audition people, and Abdul had asked the producers, please do not put her on the television show. You're just going to encourage this stalking. Yet they still put the, the stalker on the show, um, which Abdul, you know, totally fought against. Apparently, uh, American Idol did some sort of kind of behind-the-scenes thing with Paul Abdul and showed Paul Abdul's home. Um, so Abdul thinks that that then made it easier for the stalkers to get a hold of her and even break into her home. Um, and it seems like she's very unhappy with American Idol, and she says that she's still with the show because she's, quote-unquote, still under contract. And Barbara Walters herself went on to talk about that she thinks that Abdul's probably only going to be on the show for one more season now that they've brought in this other female judge. We think that there's going to be a shoe-out of Abdul. And Abdul doesn't seem to be fighting it because of this whole situation with the stalker. i got two things to say. Uh, one is, do you suppose that if you're stalking Paula Abdul, it's just because, uh, like, all the slots to stalk, like, Janet Jackson are sort of taken? You know what I mean? It's exactly. just sort of a, uh... You're like, uh, you know, that's Brad sort of the... Uh... Jolie, they travel too much. I need something a little bit more here in my backyard. Abdul. St stalking Paula Abdul uh, sort of is the hydrox to the Oreo of stalking Janet Jackson. You know what I mean? Just sort of a, sort of a kind of an off-brand kind of thing. Secondly, um, if this doesn't already exist, uh, you, uh, Katie Darrell from TMZ, you should be rolling on this. You trademark this idea now. You, there ought to be some sort of edgy reality program just called American Stalker where you profile people who are just, like, unholy obsessed with celebrities, like that nutcase woman that used to break into Letterman's home and be like, I'm Mrs. Letterman, I'm cooking you zucchini. <laughs> I'm just saying, you can have that idea for free. That's uh, We're going to charge you for that. Thank you very much. I'm putting that in my back pocket. All I right. appreciate it. Katie, Daryl, uh, all right, we already love you to pieces, so we'll uh, we'll talk to you next time. Until then, uh, have a great afternoon, Katie. You too. Talk to you soon. All right, there you go. Katie, Daryl from TMZ. I dig her. I'm a big fan of hers. Richie, can you talk to Katie? And, all right, there you go. All right, hello Byron Beck. Hi. All right. Well, thank you. Uh, I mean, thank you so much for coming in today. I know that it was, you know, despite the fact that you know for the next uh, few days, this week, maybe maybe longer, we're going to have other laid-off media people from Portland filling in for the laid-off Tim Riley. I know that that's kind of a hot seat to be in over there, and uh, you know, especially after yesterday's show. Um, you know, I know that it was uh, kind of a tall order, but thank you for coming in. You were great. Grace under fire. We'll have you in again. Uh, you got a blog. People can find you online. What, yeah, what is Byron up with that, Byron? Com. It's actually byronbeckwindow.com right now, but it's byronbeck.com. Starting tomorrow will be byronbeck.com. Okay. You just go to byronbeck.com. You go to my window. There's lots of pictures of Sarah and Rick on there. Uh, there's a nice picture of Tim Riley. Uh, I loved him. It was an honor to sit in a seat. I'm just keeping it warm, as all the other people that will come on this week, and um, we miss you, Tim. You are a good person, Byron Beck. Byronbeck.com, ladies and gentlemen. Join uh, it today. It's fun. And we will uh, we will have you back again sometime soon, Byron. Thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Byron Beck. Back after this, uh, Dawn Taylor from Film.com coming up. Uh, Sarah Dillon, Richie Bristow, your phone calls and more. Stay there, won't you, please? It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. <laughs> The power of my label, Death Jam, tells you who I am, the enemy's public, they really...
It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Uh, join us tomorrow when our guest will include Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. And I guess later on in the hour we will uh, reveal tomorrow's fill-in news person extraordinaire. Uh, throughout the week and probably scattered uh, throughout the month, uh, at the very least, we will be having a series of other laid-off media personnel filling in for the laid-off Tim Riley, uh, which is really, uh, I think, probably the best and the proper way to go about it. So I wonder what Tim thinks about this, because I know that he's probably listening. I, you know what? I don't want to speak for Tim. Um, you know, and obviously yesterday was yesterday was about all about Tim and about, uh, you know, just all of that, you know, the whole the final day and the separation and everything. So, um, so you know, yesterday was very much Tim's day. And I and we had and and really I gotta say to be honest yesterday I sort of had the idea but we hadn't really then we had done anything with it hadn't hadn't really made any moves on it just because again it was you know that was it was yesterday was all about you know all the energy yesterday was just getting through yesterday's show and giving Tim the best send off farewell whatever that we possibly could and you know and, and so it wasn't even until last night that I was like okay how, how are we gonna do this uh, so Byron. And I, really, I will say, I want to embarrass him. Now he's out of the room. It really is just, I know that it, it had to be difficult to be the first person sitting in that seat, post him. Especially because Byron, you know, don't get me wrong, great writer, talented writer, different thing altogether than mm-hmm. sitting in front of a microphone reading the news. But you know what? He, he pulled it off. I think we were all a little apprehensive at the very beginning, and he very quickly... It went. It went well. So. Oh yeah, I have, I have utmost faith in that in Byron. Yeah. So so thank you to Byron. Such a colorful character. Later on in the program, we'll talk about tomorrow's fill-in news person. But don't forget, if you are in fact a laid-off media person, uh, whether it was in front of the mic, behind the mic, in front of the camera, running the camera, writing the news, editing the news, reading the news, whatever, uh, whether print, television, radio, if you are in fact a laid-off Portland media person, you send an email to Rick at. 970.am. Rick at 970.am. And uh, let us know your availability. And uh, we're going to try to fill these slots uh, in the next few days as best we can. So it's Rick at 970.am. On that note, later on in the, uh, in the hour, Don Taylor from Film.com uh, will join us. But So let's work backward and then work forward again. So yesterday, obviously, was a, a bit of a uh, stressful a and <laughs> trying day for everybody. And I actually... I won't say who, but I, somebody we know, I really, uh, I really snapped at somebody really badly last night. And, uh, and it's all good. I've taken care of it. But I, I was talking to somebody on the phone last night. And because there, something had, uh, as it turns out, sort of uh, unjustly rankled me a little bit. And I was talking to somebody on the phone. And I just, and I, and I didn't yell. Mm-hmm. But I think this person could tell that I was like one it's like when you cut yourself and you're like, am I bleeding? I can't tell. And you have to touch it because it's like just like one one hair away from making yourself bleed. Like mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a deep cut but not quite bleeding. And I think this person could tell that I was like one hair away from just like losing it. And they, you know, we sort of worked out the, the you know, the problem, which turned out to be not a problem at all. And oh, I, that was me yesterday. I was a bitch. Like I just didn't want to talk to anybody. And I got home and. People kept, you know, calling and asking me, going, are you okay? Right. What's going on? You know, like, so is this radio in general? Like, somebody, you know, a friend of mine, very sweet, but there's like, so is this radio in general? Is it just CBS? You know, what, do you think that you're going to be next? Like, right. asking all these questions. I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, I'm going to hang up the phone. I'm going to go drink. Yeah. I'm going to pass out, and I will talk to you tomorrow. And I got some of those, so are you guys next? I'm like, really? <laughs> why would you ask me that? Even if you thought it was true, if I knew, why would you ask me that question? But anyway, so I sent this person an email after we resolve things and i said i said what did i say i the email said sorry for going mental on you uh it's been a bit of a day 
And I left it at that. And they, they very graciously responded and said, hey, I figured as much. Don't worry about it. So that was last night for me. I know that uh, last night uh, you and a lot of the other folks here from CBS, and I don't know if it was I don't know if it was just the people who were still here. I don't know if there were some of the folks who got let go that went out, but I know that you all went out and uh, got got good and liquored up. Yeah, I went out um, with a bunch of people last night. Went out with um, Sarah Wagner and Crystal Cash and Court and uh, Chris Paddock, Lisa Wood and her husband, um, Brent from KUFO. Right. Um, Corey from upstairs. Because I got the text, uh, and I think you told me, and then Elisa also was just like, "Hey, we're gonna go out, and we're gonna get, you know, we're gonna go booze." And, and I said, "You know, I gotta, I gotta just stay, and you know, I gotta work mm-hmm. on some stuff." And that, that's how I deal with stuff. Is like everybody deals with it in different ways, and I stay, and I, I, I stay, and I work. Oh no, I dealt with it by getting properly sloshed. So we're just Good like, you know, you. vodka sodas everywhere. And at one point, we we're all just talking and trying to, you know, think about the positive aspects of radio and how, because we work with so many great people. We lost a few great people yesterday, but I mean, yep. it's just so fortunate that we can surround ourselves. Was with such neat, entertaining, amazing people. And last night was one of those nights where I'm just sitting at this table full of radio people and looking around just like, God damn, I feel so lucky to know right. these people. Right. And we actually all did a whiskey shot for Tim Riley. Oh, that's the best thing I've ever heard. Yep. It was like, I think it was like 12 people. And we all raised our glasses and we're just like, the Tim Riley and the Fallen. And then took our whiskey and then the night kind of. It's a little blurry after that. That's fantastic. That's like a great, this won't mean anything to you, but that's like a great battle star, like, so say we all, kind of a thing. It oh. was great, and the, and the bar that we were at, like the like the guy, I, I kind of know the bartender there, and he was like really nice about our situation, and just, it, it was like a very nice place to be, and it was very accommodating, and we just all drank our whiskey shots and tried not to throw up and talk Excellent. about Tim Riley. It was it was fun. See, that's great, and especially, you know, and and I will tell you this, like, uh, you know, especially a certain kind of, I don't know, geeks especially, I think, respond to that kind of story, the everybody hoisting a shot for Tim, because that's a thing you see depicted so much in popular culture. You know, what is that thing? What is it like, uh, is it like the two towers? Whatever the guy goes, you know, all hail the victorious dead, and they do, like, the great, like, thing of, like, the flagon of mead or whatever, and it's just... Good for you. That is that's a, that's that's wonderful. It wasn't. I'm not a shot taker at all because they're kind of mind erasers for me. But um, yes. but we just had to. Like we're all sitting there after having many cocktails. I'm just like, we need to all have a whiskey shot. And I was like, who's with me? And everyone slowly started raising their hands. And I'm just like, come on, it's for Tim. And then everyone's like, all right, let's do it. Well, if it's for Tim, if it's for Tim, let's do it for Johnny. <laughs> that actually explains a lot because I was and here. Everyone was just. Yeah, did you see some people after that? Well, yeah, and I won't identify any of these uh, folks. Uh, I will say that. Uh, First of all, no, no shame in going out and 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 having uh, alcohol after yesterday, whether one is employed or not. Everybody's got their own special kind of. What is it, Max Katie says? Every man's got a circle of hell around his head. Seriously, I never felt like it was more okay for me to go out and have a couple. Oh, dude. Well, as I said, I'm not. You know, we didn't. Obviously, you know, the, the CBS meeting yesterday is just like it's just a family affair, and you know what happens there stays there and all that. But I, as I said earlier, when the GM. You know, when the guy who runs the whole joint says, like, well, I find that I uh, cope best by drinking, you know, that's that's kind of when you know that, uh, you know, that, that, that that's okay. So I was here last night, and I, and I answered it because I'm lame, you know, I, I just cope by, by just, I just cope by looking at my day planner and just filing things into more and more specific categories of tasks I need to do and then going through and doing them one at a time uh, because I am a joyless retard. So I was doing that, and then people started to trickle back into the building. And this would have been, I don't know, maybe uh, maybe seven o'clock, seven thirty or so, something like that, around seven-ish. I was sitting in my office, and I, you, you kind of hear that, you know, because it was just it was just dead in here yesterday. I mean, it was not just in the studio, like upstairs in the sales room. It was just empty, and <clears throat> you know, and empty cubicles, and 
cubicles that, uh, you know, had somebody in them and then didn't. And uh, I did see, uh, not to be Johnny, not Johnny Buzzkill, but <coughs> pardon me, I did see like one of the archetypal sad uh, sights yesterday. I was walking through the office, and I wasn't, I, and I really wasn't doing like the sad David Caruso walking through the halls thing. I really was just going like to the front office to get like some stamps or like a post-it note. So I'm walking through, and I, I go through the cubicle, and then you you walk by, and I that thing of walking by somebody's desk, and the desk, there's something about it, man. You can tell a desk that has just been vacated because somebody's been been let go. You, there's something about it. It's some combination of. What is gone and what is left behind? Mm-hmm. Where it's like the scotch tape dispenser still there, but like, like the picture frames are gone, but like there's a few scattered staples on the desk, but like the post-its are gone. So it's like this weird thing. But then I was walking by and I did see like the saddest, most emblematic thing, which is just like one of those clear packing tape dispensers just sitting on a desk. And I looked at that and I thought, well, crap. And so then I walk back to my office, and I'm uh, working away. And then around 7 o'clock, uh, some folks start to filter, and I hear the kind of staggering down the hall. And it was, uh, I'll just identify them as some coworkers of ours. And folks who made it through yesterday, but obviously were not happy about how everything turned out. And I have to say, really just the booze, I could smell it like, <laughs> like five feet before they got to my office. It was sort of like that thing when you're sitting there and you kind of go, I sense a great disturbance in the force, but it wasn't really like a great disturbance in the force so much. It was like I could sense a great amount of alcohol belches in the hallway. And someone, a friend of the program, came by my office and said, and there's that thing when someone is over-enunciating because they are trying to compensate for the fact that they've obviously been imbibing quite heavily. And this person stood in the doorway of my office last night and said, and how are you, Rick Emerson? Kind of like a Scotty J kind of a thing. And I said, why, I'm fine, so-and-so. How are you? Knowing in my heart, you're drunk. And this person said, I'm just great. We were just drinking some whiskey and talking about radio. And I said, well, and how did that work out for you? Well, pretty good. I had a few drinks and I'm feeling better. And I said, okay, you're feeling better. And this person said, you have a great night. I'm going to get driven home now. <laughs> and I said, that's good for you. And this person said, you, I'll see you tomorrow. And then just sort of lurched down the stairs uh, next to the person that was going to be driving them home. And then I uh, and then I stayed and I had a few lame conversations with other people. And that was uh, that was sort of the end of that was sort of the end of my evening last night. So I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear that you all went out, though. And uh, man, yeah, I'm not ashamed. To say I was drunk and my friend Heather drove me home and I was in bed by 10, 15. Well, good for you. <laughs> and then woke up this morning because I hadn't slept at all the night before either. Right. Well, that's the other thing is I There's mean just it's exhaustion just exhaustion and worry, and I cried like 50 times yesterday. And I'm not used to. And whenever I get upset, it makes me really tired because I'm not used to crying right. a lot. And right. when I do, it just takes it out of me. Well, because it's like a sick. Well, you and I are both the same way. You and I are both. I mean, we can say this. You and I are both control freaks. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, and I, you know, and I, you know, I. I I'll put it this way. I'm not ashamed that I was, you know, that I lost my composure yesterday and, uh, you know, that I, I mean, I'm not, you know, whatever. I mean, I'm whatever. But a man will blah, but doesn't, you know, whatever. I, you know, uh, I'm not, you know, uh, there's no shame in that. I have no, there's no, I'm not embarrassed. I'm not anything. But by the same token, you and I are both very similar in that we try, you know, n- we try not to do that because, you know, Susan Rensselaer, there's no crying in radio or, you know, baseball or whatever. And so you and I both work very hard at, uh, you know, we're type A personalities and we, uh, 
Now, I'm not saying, like, Sarah and I don't know how to love, but we try to retain composure because that's, I think, important to us. But so then when you don't, like, when you just reach that threshold where you're like, F it, I'm crying. What are you going to do? Screw you. It's sad. Um, you know, and, like, people who are longtime listeners. I just get angry, and then when people try to be nice to me, I'm just like, leave me alone. Right. Don't and, touch me. And that's a bit, but then but you, do, you do this, too. And uh, the people who have been listening to the show for a long time will remember that the other, I think probably the only other time that I really ever lost my composure on the show was, strangely enough, the day that Mr. Rogers died. I where I just, that day. That was sad. Yeah, it was just, I mean, you know, and whatever. I mean, it's just, it, but, but it's that cyclical thing of where then you get upset, you lose your composure, but then you start to get, uh, you know, then you get weirded out at yourself for losing your composure, which in turn just makes you more upset, and then it becomes like a whole thing, so... In any event, uh, we should welcome, before we uh, break and before we bring Tom Taylor in, we should actually uh, welcome to the Rick Emerson Show uh, Richie Bristol, who has had, I would say, um, I would say Richie Bristol has had uh, maybe not maybe not a harder day, but certainly, but certainly a, a couple of days that were much more difficult in the sense that, you know, Richie wasn't really able to, uh, you can sit there, Richie wasn't really able to come into the studio or come out of the show. And and really uh, talk or vent or whatever, because he's been back there, you know, as Richie does, buckled down doing his job, which is which is the great thing about him. And you know, sometimes you just sometimes there's just a job to be uh, to be done, and there's you know you don't have time to uh, you know you don't have time to come into the studio and be part of whatever it is that's happening on the show that day. So so Richie, we should say first and foremost, thank you for uh, you know doing a great job yesterday at fielding. I know what was just like wave after wave of upset, emotional, sad, angry, hurt, confused callers. And, you know, you're going to get those today. You're going to get them probably every day for the next month. Uh, as we- well, you get a bunch today? Uh, well, yeah. Just, well, lots you know, of emails and lots of messages, and, mostly good stuff. And people who are hearing the podcast and people who, are, you know, maybe have been out of town or people who didn't hear yesterday, but, of course, I wrote a big blog about it, and people who, uh, you know, are just kind of finding out. So, And you're... You know, in many ways, you're kind of the first line of defense there because, you know, during the show, I mean, I get emails or whatever, but before they get on the on the air, you know, they typically go through you. And so you're the guy who has to kind of deal with the brunt of that. So so you did a great job. A uh, You know, it was a Herculean task and you you were up to it. So. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank um, you, on top of that, my crush still hurts <laughs> because um, Have you eight hours of high heels. Hello. But, but why does. Why does your crotch hurt? I was just going to say, I guess we'll just move on with this. So this Saturday, though, life life is for the living, Richie, and you've got your drag show this Saturday. Yes. But why does your... This is like in Raiders when Salas... Why does the floor move? Why does your crotch hurt? Uh, Lots of dancing. I mean... But, I mean, why would that hurt your... When you say crotch... Like, you mean... What do you mean? Like, your junk? Like, located crotch? Or like, your, like, like your... Like, your... Penis? I mean, what are you talking about when you say your crotch hurts? Uh, the muscles on the inside of your leg. Your right thighs. Those are your well, thighs. No, That's not your it's, crotch. It's right there. It's connecting to. It's the muscle that connects from your leg to your crotch. I don't know how your body is laid out. I'm trying to... <laughs> It's just the whole area, man. I'm trying to figure... Uh, yeah. Sarah, is, yeah. Sarah is holding up... I swear to you, Sarah's holding up like a light-up ball from Spencer's that changes color. Uh, so, you mean the... the uh, uh, are you talking about the muscles right there at the intersection of thigh and junk road? Yeah, All yeah, right, okay. whatever that is. And so this is from dancing or from heels or, or dancing in heels? Dancing in heels. All right. And All right, so... And, and this, and we should also say this, so we were on our way to the staff meeting yesterday because we had the whole day, and then... 
There was this, uh, we had this all-staff meeting, as we said earlier in the program, at 3.30 uh, over at the Kink Building. Because, you know, we, here at CBS, we're, we're in three different buildings. There's us, there's the Coin Tower, and there's Kink. And the staff meeting was at Kink, just because it's got to be somewhere. And they have the biggest sort of, you know, that Kink performance lounge, that big open room there. So all of us get in the car. We all carpool over to Kink. And on the way, it's Sarah, myself. It's like the weirdest, like, sitcom breakfast club collection <laughs> of people. It's Sarah... Richie, myself, and engineer Matt Green, who was sort of like a really techie Jim Henson. Mm-hmm. And we're all in the car. And meanwhile, Richie just, first of all, God. I will say, and I'm just going to relay this as it happened. We were driving oh up Jefferson past a Safeway. And I will just tell the story as it happened. This is Richie who did this. I'm simply an observer reporting on life. As an artist, I'm painting a picture of reality. As we're driving by the Safeway, there are three Asian men standing on the corner waiting to cross the street. As Sarah drives by these Asian men, and I'm not going to pretend that I know, I mean, who I, I don't know from what country they hailed. I don't know their... Japanese. Where, is that, I mean, uh, uh-huh, who I knows? Know. I mean, I, you know, I'm not going to pretend to be like, and they were from the island of, I just don't know. So Japanese? Yes, yeah. that's what I believe. So as Sarah's car rolls by these three Japanese men yesterday, Richie Bristol, not realizing the window is open, says what? Hurrah! And then we look, we go, Richie, don't. And then we realize the window's open. And then it's like a lot of different. Why no, would you? I'm just like a silly white girl driving the car. Like, I, like, you can't I didn't even. Rich. And I could, like, like, equal parts wanting to look out the back window to see what their reaction is. And then equal parts never ever wanting to know what their reaction is. And so then we're driving on. And then we're kind of in silence, wondering, you know, just what the meeting's going to have. And, you know, there's another shoe that's going to. Oh, yeah, and then there's the other thing. Jesus. So yeah. I forgot all about that. So. Richie discovers a big can of aerosol whipped cream, like ready whip style, in the back of Richie's car, or in the back of Sarah's car. And as we're driving to the, to the staff meeting, where for all we know, they could have been getting ready to fire all it of us. It could have been a big mass fire. And really, and i got to say this. And that's been in the back of my car for months, mind you. Can I say this, too? For all we know, Richie, they, yesterday's meeting might have been something where Dave McDonald, our GM, goes around the room one by one. Richie Bristol from AM970, what do you think of this? And so what is Richie doing in the back of the car on the on the way to the Kingman? He's, he's snorting nitrous oxide out of a can of whipped cream in the back. Sarah's car. There was two cans too. Didn't you do whippets when you went to the sex club too? Oh yeah. Um, Didn't I, I? I don't, dude. I don't know. I wasn't there. I don't so. <laughs> anyway. And my friend made a pie for someone. Left those cans in there like months ago. So. Well, I mean, really, if you're I mean, snorting. Can't cream go bad? I, I guess, but if you're just inhaling lots of nitrous on the way to a staff meeting, really, the fact that it might be past its expiration date is probably the least of your worries. <laughs> so Richie's then getting high on whipped cream fumes, and then. After that, and keep in mind, this is all like in a five-minute car ride. So he says the hero thing to the Asian men. Then he's getting high on nitrous. Then he says, i got to cut my armpits, which is like the worst phrase on earth. I don't know if I should earth. cut them or shave them. So I don't even know what that means. So what do, you, what do you still have to do? We don't have time to talk about everything today, but we got like a few days here. So what is it you still have to do cosmetically between now and your drag show? i got to figure out how to get rid of these stretch marks. So wait, what, Where on is your stomach? Yeah. I tan't. See, look, I'm faking baking. So is this because you... Uh, okay, here, come here. Well, see, I fake and bake. So these are stretch marks on your uh, belly from losing weight, yes? Yeah, and I'm going to be in lingerie, so they're going to... Now, do you mind me asking, this is a personal question, do you mind me asking how much weight you lost and how much time? Uh, 34.6, but who's counting? But and I mean, how, how much time, though? Oh, that's what, six weeks? 
How is that even possible? He's just—he's on a strict exercise regimen. Are you just exercising and just not eating? Ellie doesn't yeah. eat vegetables well, 20, and chicken. Twenty-two hundred calories a day. Okay, well that's that's about what they say to do. They say yeah, two thousand about two thousand a day, and you know in, in like no, thirty but minutes. You know they make topical stuff that you can use for that. Like if you go to um, if it's a shirt. No, yeah, if I you don't go to, like know. the first aid section. Yeah. What have you been trying to use? Have you tried to use anything? I got some. The tanning place gave me some very expensive stuff that I'd regret buying. Bastards. So you've got these, and they're and they're they're these uh, they're not horizontal, these vertical stretch marks yeah. on your stomach. So my well, a lot of that can do with you can be covered with makeup too, especially just for the day of. But they do make um, stretch mark removal stuff in um, like the first aid section where they have like scar like scar removal lotions and stuff. They have one specifically for stretch. I didn't know that. Really? Like for pregnant oh, yeah. ladies, because mm-hmm. I was like pregnant. And they have like lotions <laughs> that you can put on to prevent stretch marks, but they also have ones that get rid of them. Now, are you going to be... And cheap at like Fred Meyer. You can get like overnight? Or... I think it might take a little bit. Like how long? Like... Well, I guess there are different levels. I know some of them are really expensive, so maybe those work faster. Uh, well, like, I mean... Like by Saturday. But I mean, you could just do... But you could do uh, makeup, right? Yeah, sure. I mean, that would be intense. I don't know. Yeah, I think like the stretch mark, like medicine stuff, it for my probably be a long term solution, but makeup. I'm tanning like hell and it's not working. Uh-huh. Just get some makeup that matches your. Skin. But the more, but see, but the tanning isn't going to work because stretch marks are. I'm not saying it, but stretch marks are like a scar, right? Uh-huh. Look, for example, I got a scar in the back of one of my hands because uh, I cut myself uh, when I was working in a kitchen as a teenager. So I got this big scar in the back of my hand. If I get tan or pale or whatever, the scar is always like a slightly different color. So like that's going to work with stretch marks too, or not work. I guess is my point. Like tanning is just going to make. They're, just, they're still going to be two different shades. They're just going to be two shades that are different from what you got now. So you might put tanning lotion on the stretch marks, like apply them. No, but I mean, why don't you, but I would say just use makeup. Use makeup. Well, are you even wearing something revealing, like a belly shirt or something? Because you know drag queens wear makeup all over. Like makeup uh, I don't want to give away the show. Well, but... I saw you on Saturday and I didn't see your stomach. Because it's or on Sunday for musicology. I'll be in panty and bra. I'll be in lingerie. I'll be. I oh, you're doing oh. costume changes. Uh, no, I'm not going to go away anymore. But yeah. Well, I'm just, well I, I already said though that I saw you Please and make like. Make sure anything. Make sure nothing falls out while you're dancing around. Are you? Yeah. Are you taping? Uh, yes. There'll be three cameras going. No. 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 <laughs> oh. Bam. Let's go out on that. Okay. We'll come back after this for Don Taylor from Film.com. Oh. Oh no! I got panties for it. I love you, Richie Bristol. Alright. When we return, Don Taylor from Film.com talks about the day the earth stood still and comfort films. Stay there, it's the Rick Emerson radio program. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. You really are a heel. You're as cuddly as a cactus. You're as charming as an eel, Mr. Grinch. You're a bad banana with a greasy black peel. You're a monster, Mr. Grinch. Your heart's an empty hole. Your brain is full of spiders. You've got garlic in your soul, Mr. Grinch. I wouldn't touch you with a 39 and a half foot pole. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. It's 503 Not Boris Karloff. And see, everybody thinks everybody thinks that the singing is Boris Karloff. No, this is Tony the Tiger. Hey, there, and I forget the guy's name. What? 
Why do you know that, Dawn Taylor from Film.com? Because I'm 78 years old. Given the choice between the okay. Well, that's okay. You know, court's 43, so, I mean, it's all, you know, it's all good. Um, is that the guy who's Tony the Tiger? Yes. Yeah, what is yes. his name? Oh, that's awesome. I, I don't know, but he also... Um, He's like one of those guys I should know, right? Yeah, he did some voices for uh, The Haunted Mansion at Disneyland. Oh, well. that's... Okay, now I did know that because Aaron Duran told me that at one point. Uh, uh, apparently, I, I, Thurl I Raven, have Thurl Ravenscroft. Ravenscroft. Yeah. That's his name. Apparently, I have just uh, made my geek cred for the day. No, no, totally. No, <laughs> you have no because you, you realize you did Grinch, which is Chuck Jones and Doctor Seuss, and Haunted Mansion, and uh, Tony the Tiger breakfast cereal all at once. And his name is Thurl Ravenscroft, which is like the most badass name. That's like a wonderful name. That's a whole other. Look. Welcome to Ravenscroft Mansion. <laughs> and there's a lightning flash and. Ravenscroft, like Thurl Ravenscroft, is the name of a guy who owns a castle in which someone is killed during a lightning storm, and then, like, Agatha Christie's, you know, like, Hercule Poirot has to, like, solve it or whatever. He, he would be the dead guy whose portrait is hanging over the giant stone for, uh, fireplace. This was my uncle, yeah, Thurl Ravenscroft. And then the eyes go, and follow you. So, And I think he died last year, I think, because I seem to recall someone calling up and going, you know, he's dead. Like, as they, they're great things. So. Don Taylor, film.com. How are you? I, I'm okay. All right. Uh, so, well, we, first things first, out of the gate. So, you, let me see if I get this right. You have seen but cannot discuss The Day the Earth Stood Still with Keanu Reeves. That's right. All right. It's also got Unless John I, Hamm. I'm assuming, since I say good things, because the studios don't usually seem to be so caring about the embargo if you, like, talk up the movie. They get very angry if you talk down yeah. the movie. Before um, it's the between place. you and your God, so whatever you would like to say. I mean, not like I'm on their Christmas card list anyway. Yes, Keanu know. Reeve, uh, the, the delicious John Hamm. Oh. John Hamm of uh, Mad Men. The theme on the big screen. Yeah. Now, is he in the film a lot? Because my theory would be Mad Men is so huge, and plus, let's just be honest, everyone, regardless of whether you're an X or Y chromosome, everybody uh, wants to have sex with John Hamm. He's, he's actually the, uh, I think, the equivalent of the girl in this, because uh, Jennifer Connelly is essentially the action figure lead. She's the scientist. She's the Patricia Neal role from the first movie, except mm -hmm. now she's actually a scientist, so she has a reason to be in on all of the action. Right. It's all kind of mashed up together. But uh, John Hamm is like, Another scientist who she knows, right. who's like, I'll show up and help you. And I'm gorgeous. And I'm gorgeous. So, My I, ankle. Yeah. I figured, I figured <laughs> that they would kind of recut the movie to have a lot more of him because his star is so ascendant. I would have thought so, too. I was actually a little disappointed that there wasn't uh, wasn't nearly enough. It's, it's one of those movies, too, where like uh, there's uh, this one guy, uh, something Chandler, he used to be on some TV show. He's one of those square-jawed, handsome guys right. who was a, a, a TV heartthrob like 10 years ago. And he just shows up as the guy in the control room that's trying to get the diamond drill to go into right, court. Totally. And you're kind of like, wow, you were huge once. And, and <laughs> now you're like the guy going, fix the drill. <laughs> the, there was, I was watching the... Um, Kyle was, Chandler, that's his name. I was watching uh, The Grudge last night, but the Riff Tracks version with Mike Nelson. Oh, yeah. And uh, and what's his name? Uh, uh, Servo. Mike Murphy, Servo, Kevin. Something. Kevin Murphy. Yeah, Kevin Murphy. Uh, so, I'm watching, uh, so I'm watching The Grudge Riff Tracks, and there was this, you know, the great sequence, the flashback, where Bill Pullman is going over to confront the girl who's, like, stalking him. And, you know, the Riff Tracks thing is like, hello, I'm Bill Pullman. I... I had Independence Day, and then things kind of dried up. Do you have any acting? Uh, anything? Maybe stunt casting? Third man from the left? Hello? Anyone home? 
Bill Pullman, I'm here to act. Anyone? And so that's that's like that guy showing up like, you know, the damn it, we need more power to this thing. And like that's his soul, you know. Well, that's sad. Uh, and then, but but it, but sort of, of course, a remake of the classic, right? The day the Earth stood still, which really, and it does make you wonder why they don't remake bad films to get like a second shot at the apple, as opposed to remaking good films. Well, I know people who are actually very upset that they're remaking it, and I really couldn't care less because, I, you know, I don't. It's not one of those movies I have any deep emotional investment. Right. But I did watch the original last night uh, to compare and contrast, and it's a it's a good movie. It's, it's a, a solid movie. It's also a very talky movie. It's the, I think people, they remember the spaceship and they remember Gort the robot. Totally. What they forget is that most of the movie is uh, Klaatu walking around town with the kid, getting ice cream and going to the zoo and going, oh, people are interesting. Shall we have a light lunch? Yeah. yeah. It's a, so it's, a, it's a, actually a fairly kind of a slow movie punctuated with moments of excitement. But it does have uh, this incredible uh, soundtrack, this score by Bernard Herrmann, and he used a theremin, which yeah. was like, very eerie and cool. So that yeah, was that was disappointing again in the remake. Uh, no theremin. Well, and Bernard Herrmann, he did uh, most notably, he did um, Cape Fear, I think. I think he did Psycho as well. Um, he did Basket Case 2. That was like his Basket last. Basket Case 2. That was his last uh, sound Oh, really? I think it was actually, I think he was like on his last legs and about to die. And I think they actually took like psycho music or something and remixed it. And so it's not, it wasn't like after a stroke where like with one hand he's hitting the keyboard, you know. And... <laughs> but it was his last card. I used to actually have it on final. That's so sad. <laughs> Go out with Basket Case, too. Well, as we always say, you know, at least you're not Raul Julia going out with Street Fighter the movie. But it's I mean, Psycho and North by Northwest, the great Hitchcock. And uh, uh, I think the Twilight Zone theme. I think the yeah. original Twilight Zone theme. The da 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 Taxi Driver, he did, the, he did that. It's funny you talk about the David Earth still being very talky, the original. Uh, over Halloween, my wife and I, on Halloween, we went and did this tour of the Lone First Cemetery, which is a whole story in and of itself. And then we went and we're like, let's watch a horror film. And I had the original uh, The Fly with Vincent Price, which is one of my favorite horror films, and still creepy and disturbing. Uh, parts of <laughs> And she'd never seen it. Oh. And and she actually said, you know, parts of that movie are a little a little corny now, but parts of it are still really disturbing. And you got to wonder how shocking it was then. Yeah. Um, but she didn't see that end coming, by the way. And that, but there's lots of you know, there's lots of those, you know, there's the obligatory speech in the original Fly where um, where the wife is talking to the husband, you know, the, the husband signs and she's going, but doesn't it seem that it all is happening so fast? What with television and radio and soon atomic transportation, it's. <laughs> It just seems like the world is accelerating. And then the scientist guy, who is always wrong about this, says, Honey, you've got to understand that science is nothing to be afraid of. Technology is nothing to fear. But then that always just said, so like in the next sequence, he can grow like an arm out of his forehead and like kill everyone he knows. Which is probably why you look back and that's why David Cronenberg wanted to remake it so much. Because Cronenberg's, one of the themes of most of Cronenberg's horror films was like, Fear of medical, stuff, right, fear right, of right. technology. Totally, like it kind of almost like Michael Crichton. It's like, like, ooh, new stuff's happening. Be scared. I remember the first time I saw Dead Ringers, uh, and I remember watching Dead Ringers and just thinking to myself, like, Jesus God, whoever it is, and is that Cronenberg? Yeah. And that's yeah. you know, and and just thinking to myself, like, whoever made this has real issues with doctors and women and people and things. There's a there's a scene uh, the the justly famous scene where there's a woman in the stirrups and yeah. the the one 
gynecological obstetrician doctor. He's one twin has gone kind of crazy. Oh, yeah. And he's decided he's going to create his own instrument. Oh God. And he unwraps them and you see them. Yeah. And he picks and and this was and it, nothing actually bad happens in that scene. It's all threat. But that was the first and only time in my life I've ever understood why men in a theater when they see a character get kicked in the balls yeah. they cross their legs. <laughs> oh yeah. I was sitting there in the theater going, just squeezing my thighs together going, no. Have no, you seen Dead Ringers? No. no, I have not. Twin insane gynecologists. Oh. Yeah. Oh. I, I have always felt that the reason uh, Jeffrey uh, Irons, Je- Jeffrey Irons? Yeah. Yeah. Why he won yeah, why he won the uh, the Oscar for the Klaus von Bülow movie the next year was because he did Dead Ringers the year before. But they because, couldn't they couldn't give that movie any awards because yeah. that would just be wrong. Because it's a horror movie, so yeah. it can't be nominated. Right. Is or, it good? Bad? Oh, bad, it's great. Oh, it's really? amazing. It's just disturbing, oh, okay. and it's and, not like bloody or gory. It's, it's just disturbing. It's the first, it's it's the, one of the first movies that they really got really sophisticated with uh, split screen technology. So. Uh, he's playing both twins, and he's in many scenes with himself, playing against himself. And the thing about him is he is so good that a new scene will come up, and it will just come on his face. And the minute he just moves or makes a gesture, you know which twin he is. You know who he's playing. That's pretty cool. The the movie is absolutely It's a creepy film, but it's it's solidly made. It's a really, really good film. Uh, Speaking of creepy, we'll do this. We'll take a break. We'll come back, talk about uh, some comfort movies. But um, we kind of touched on this earlier, but Dark Knight comes out today in DVD. Mm And is it, do I have to wait for like a, I asked the guy this and we were, I was trying to figure out if I have to wait for the bells and whistles version or if like this is the full deal. Uh, I, I'll tell you, this, I had no idea. I didn't get a chance to, to pick it up and I didn't get a chance to look at it. The, my guess is that, yeah, there are going to be bonus features on it, but at some point, They'll screw like, me again. A, a few months yeah. down the line, they're going to come out with the extra special super collector's well, edition. Sarah knows it. a guy who can get that for me for like 50 cents and some food stamps. So um, let's take a break. We'll come back. Don Taylor from Film.com. Uh, we will talk a little bit about comfort movies and uh, like us at three. Michael Maris show at seven. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Don't go anywhere. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, oh, I should say this before we do anything else. So uh, thanks to Byron Beck, formerly of the Willamette Week, now byronbeck.com, which I guess goes live tonight at midnight, so that doesn't work now to work tomorrow. Byronbeck.com. Um, Actually, I went to it today, and it just shot me right back to... It redirects? Mm-hmm. Okay, good. It looks so, like it's a- byronbeck.com. And so uh, today, Byron Beck was the first person to kind of stand in the, in the sort of the firing line for this. Um, for the rest of this week, and it, probably for the rest of the year, because I think we've only got like 14 shows left or something... We're going to have a different laid-off Portland media person filling in for the laid-off uh, Tim Riley every day, uh, just because it brings the point into stark relief and it uh, you know makes our jobs easier. So uh, today, uh, Byron Beck. Tomorrow, I was wondering whether to make like a tune in and next time when so and so. Should we maybe wait? Uh, I, I think I'll say it now because it, I think I probably will say it because I want to give everybody, not just for tomorrow, I'm going to give everybody a little bit of a chance to get some kind of an audience. This is true. By, by which I mean, by which I mean, you know, everybody has got, you know, 
there's people who are fans of different people, and uh, you know, and uh, you know, and everybody's got kind of you know, sometimes we have overlapping audiences, but everybody has people who are like especially fond of them. Uh, so I will say tomorrow, uh, laid off media person Tom Parker uh, filling in for the laid off Tim Riley. Tom Parker, late of uh, KPAM, I guess, and before that, Kissin. And I think way back in the, the midst of time, KGW. I'm trying. I'm hope. I think I'm doing those in the in the reverse order. But I think it was KGW kissing most recently KPAM. Uh, so Tom Parker, broadcaster extraordinaire, most recently laid off from KPAM Radio, will be joining us tomorrow to fill in for the laid off Tim Riley. And we will uh, go on and on in that fashion uh, until we think of something better to do. Uh, we are joined today, uh, right now, by Don Taylor from Film.com. Um, by the way, I dig that shirt thing, whatever it is you're wearing. Why, thank you. Yeah, I gave her a comment on that as well. It's really what, cool. Where is that from? Um, the, uh, it, they're called skill animals, and uh, they have little stuffed animals. It's kind of like uh, a take on the cool little weird, scary Japanese vinyl toys, but I think it's an American company. But uh, this guy is supposed to be like, he's like a bat. But, but he's, he's like a, a skeleton. dead skeleton oh. bat made right. out of thread. All right. right. Uh, and. Oh, someone's phone my, is ringing. My phone, my phone is playing Oliver's Army, so that might be my mother-in-law trying to get a hold of me again. All right. When are you going to come visit? <laughs> uh, all right. So, obviously, you know, yesterday, today, difficulty, darkness, doom, gloom, despair, and agony on me and all of that. So, uh, we've got a few minutes here, but in the remaining minutes in the program, Don Taylor, uh, when Don Taylor is depressed and needs to put in a comfort movie, a comfort DVD, mm-hmm. what movies offer you uh, emotional uh, relief? Well, I was thinking about this, and... Uh, the, for starters, it's the ones that I just, I know that I will always get enjoyment out of. Uh, one is Support Your Local Sheriff. Yeah. Because I'm just a huge James Garner fan. And and I love that movie because it was actually written and directed by people who had made classic, straightforward, serious westerns. Right. So they understood. They knew the rules to break the rules. They did. Yeah. And it's and way outdating do. Uh, uh, Blazing Saddle, yeah. but still kind of spoofing on... Kind of Western. a deconstruction before it became the cool yeah, thing to do. Exactly. Yeah. Um, also, in a similar vein, also the West End, Tombstone is one of my favorite movies. Good for you. Watch, God bless you, Dante. I will watch Tombstone over and over and over again. And I, I've known ever since the first time I saw it that it's not what you would call a good movie. It has a lot of problems. Um, I know you're a fan. I love like, it, but I mean, I recognize that it's uh, it's got challenges. But it's got that history, too, that like it was originally supposed to be, it was written and directed by the guy who made Glory. Right. And so it was going to be you know, epic. Yeah. And then uh, the Kurt Russell one was coming out, and so they said, no, we have to move ours up. So they fired him and had the guy who made Rambo finish it. And so you watch the whole movie, and it just kind of veers wildly back and forth between being excellent and being kitschy. And it's just and, and plus, if you know anything about the history of that, it's just sort of ridiculous. It, it would have you believe that the Earp brothers all like arrived in town right. the same day on the same coach or whatever. Bought the bar the minute they got off the, the coach, you know. So, um, and then then there's the girly movies. Uh, I I'm embarrassed by it, but I will watch Dirty Dancing like every time. It's oh, that's on an TV. amazing movie. I I've seen it Dirty Dancing. Ever. <laughs> I've seen Dirty Dancing like a hundred times. <laughs> I will sit there and I'll just go. Oh, I carried the watermelon. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Don Taylor from Film.com. Uh, thank you so much uh, for joining us today, and uh, we will definitely we'll have you back soon. Yeah, well, perhaps great. maybe you might be one of our special guests. You've been fired, Don. I've been fired and laid off. And... Yeah, do you have a quick <laughs> unemployment story for us? Uh, I, uh, I, got, I had a crazy boss, uh, as we've all had, and uh, worked for a terrible newspaper and tried to make it better, and she was threatened by that, so she fired me, and then I had to do that whole Salem thing. 
and then where you call the judge and they like let you have your unemployment. But I was lucky in that it happened to be in that period when everybody wanted unemployment, so they stretched out for an extra six months, so I got to be on unemployment for a year and a half. So I feel like I won. Entertaining and concise. <laughs> Don Taylor from Film.com. We will have you back. Uh, real quickly, let's try to do one call here. I pick up randomly. Hello, sir, madam, as the case may be. How can I help you? Hi, this is Dan. Hello, Dan. I just had to let you know, through all this gloom and doom, uh, you're getting walked all over by a Catholic talk show in the Longview, Kalama area. And it's been just ironic when I've been on hold. You get to talking to Dawn about films and no every other word out of your mouth is Jesus Lord. And then quick on the other channel, some 80-year-old woman starts talking about Jesus and Lord. I don't know what we're talking about. All right. Well, thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. Jesus wow. Christ. Wow. I'll take that out. <laughs> take that out of post. Thanks, Dan. I think. Uh, God bless you. All right. Rick Emerson, Joe Produce today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen for AM970 The Talker in the newsroom today. Byron Beck tomorrow. Tom Parker. Thanks to Don Taylor, Lisa Desjardins, Steve Kastenbaum, and Bob Costantini. Richie Bristol on phones. Dave's in the gatekeeper. Webmistress Bridget from upstairs. And uh, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru Susan Don't Have With Me Reynolds. Like us next. Uh, Michael Mara Show at 7. See you tomorrow at 10 for the recap. Love of the show. Thanks for listening. Bye. Buddy, can you spare? 